Hey guys, Steve here. Today we're going to talk about growing with fishes. Growing with fishes. Everybody, welcome to episode 320. I hope everyone's having a great Thanksgiving today. It's uh, Thanksgiving there in the U.S., but uh, it's Friday, Black Friday here where we are in Thailand, all three of us. So um, uh, we're going to uh, do an episode anyway. Uh, I know we're probably going to end up with most of the people listening to the show after it's recorded, but uh, I do appreciate you uh, if you are at home and you're uh, you know avoiding your family. Uh, we're happy to give you a great place to. Uh, to come and be in, around more like-minded people and if you uh, are enjoying your family we'll cherish them while you still have them here uh, you never know when, when they're going to leave us and uh, make the best of your holiday and i hope you enjoy the show after you're, you're done eating dinner uh, we have a, a wonderful episode for you guys today we have uh, a eric from hbk genetics joining us today thanks a lot for taking the time to join us hello guys uh, appreciate it thank you He's the uh, the newest person to join the uh, the Thailand clan, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so uh, super excited to have him. We also have Infamous Gardens joining us today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, happy to be here. I'm excited to see uh, what HPK's noticed since he's been in Thailand and uh, hear a little bit of his plan. So excited today. He's a legend. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah for sure. We have, I think he's... You're only the second or third Emerald Cup winner we've had on the show, so I'm super excited to have you on and talk about that as well today. And then also, you have a really big passion about CBD, which I'm also uh, uh, very much uh, share with, with you. So I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Um, but before we get started, a couple of quick um, programming notes here. Um, I did want to mention we have two events or one event coming up and then one uh, one sale coming up. If you are looking to get uh, any um, aquaponic or living soil classes. All of our classes are on sale now through Krampus. If you don't know what Krampus is, it's uh, December 5th. Uh, I thought that was a better thing than doing a Black Friday sale. Let's do a Krampus sale instead. Uh, so our apmjclass.com, uh, thepestclass.com, and nutrientclass.com are all on sale right now. We get big discounts, biggest discounts of the year uh, for, for our uh, fall sale. So definitely check that out. And then we also have uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks. And I have some new information on it because I know uh, we had to push it back because of me moving and everything. And um, me also being the person that organizes the whole thing. So uh, we actually combined forces with the people from the Aquaponics Congress. And we're going to be bringing you a multi-language aquaponic cannabis extra educational extravaganza January 14th and 15th. We'll have people both in English and in Spanish speaking languages, uh, possibly others. We're still working on finishing out the final roster bringing in a bunch of their canaponics people and combining it with the original list that we had. We're going to add a few more speakers to the total speaker list as well. Um, depending on how many we have, we might even add that Friday beforehand. But um, if we totally end up with too many speakers, but we should be able to get them all on the 14th and 15th. But certainly come check that out. We'll have Spanish and English speaking speakers, uh, people from South Africa, Thailand, 
um, Canada, the United States, all over the world will be there, um, just like last year and the year before. So, and if you haven't checked out the Aquaponic Cannabis Conference, you can check that out, aquaponiccannabisconference.com uh, uh, or on potentponics.com or on potentponics YouTube. All of those are always free. All of the Aquaponics Camp Cannabis Conferences are free. And um, you can watch all of the back previous content for free as well. So please check that out and, uh, you know, give a like and, and a, and a uh, follow to the people that help support and sponsor the event as well. All right. Thanks, everybody. Um, uh, sorry to get go through all those uh, little uh, programming nuts there in the beginning. Um, for those of you that don't know who HBK is, uh, he is... Um, one of the people that has really dominated the um, California market, a lot of his strains have become some of the most popular in the California market the last couple of years. And he's certainly been one of the most successful and uh, it's certainly great to have him here on, uh, on the Thailand side of things. Let me throw your Instagram up here while we introduce you. Sorry, I'm still getting used to the laptop setup. I gotta, once I move to my new place here next month, I'll be able to set up my nest a little bit more. <laughs> Um, but, um, but yeah, so here's his Instagram. Be sure to check him out. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us today. Um, uh, do you want to introduce yourself and then we can get into some of the awesome content that you've been putting out and all the great work that you've been doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, my name's Eric. I'm the owner and operator of HBK Genetics and HBK Topicals. Um, been doing this pretty much like 30 years now. My dad, was a hobby grower and when I was in high school I picked up growing and kind of dedicated my life to cannabis early on uh helped collect collect signatures for pop 215 to help move things forward and um I took a little bit of a break with my daughter but then when I came back in mid 2000 I picked it up pretty heavy and I got into CBD early on and I've been a breeder my whole life I've been making seeds for close to over 30 years now and um yeah i've picked up quite a few awards over the years um with various competitions with either my cbd creams or people other growers winning competitions with my genetics uh i was the creator of a, a strain in california called the chile verde with 59 pie lavender which was a, a emerald cup trophy winner from a gentleman in yolo county um and it's been fairly well received. Uh, there's a little bit of controversy behind the actual cut of chili, but yeah, people like it and it's, it's been around. And as far as CBD, I got into CBD very early on. I was introduced to the CBD aspect in 2008-9 by a gentleman um, named Ringo Lawrence and a close neighbor of mine, uh, a guy named Nick Allen. So we kind of start picking it up and I had already been making topicals for my daughter since the mid nineties. Um, she has a rare skin condition called epidermolysis pilosa or the butterfly syndrome disease. It's, it's like being burned every day kind of thing without being burned. And so I've been trying to treat people and help them out. And I've had a lot of success with my skin topicals. I do a skincare cream that's designed on skin regenerative uh, restoration. And I also do a bomb that's for arthritis and ligaments and muscles. And I've kind of focused all, a lot of my work solely on topicals. And, and then I'm also a big breeder. Um, I'm fairly well respected, but I'm not very well known. Um, kind of one of the insider guys in California. But yeah, I've got quite a bit of good 
really good genetics and work behind me. And a few years ago, I met a, a lady from Thailand and I had decided about three or four years ago, I was going to move here uh, regardless of what's going on in the scene here. Um, I'm here to live my life and be a part of this culture now. And so with change and what's going on with the ganja scene, it, it's been working out pretty great. Yeah, I will say a quick note on that. The culture here is amazing. It is so much more positive and less less negative across the board than the United States that it's like really, really yeah. uh, just refreshing. Yeah, um, you know, in California, I'm not real comfortable or anywhere in the United States, I'm not comfortable. I always kind of have to feel on guard and I'm always worried and I don't just the, the general mentality of people in California is pretty aggressive um, and yeah being here has been amazing everybody's so cool and everybody's really helpful and if I don't understand something they'll work with me to help me figure it out and my my fiance's family's been wonderful my son-in-law's great he's been helping me out so much and so yeah I'm really happy to be here took me two weeks to get adjusted uh, I was super in culture shock at first I just was like wow i just could it was hard to take it all in it's such a big place because i'm in bangkok and it's been it's been really interesting and i really enjoy it and the food now i'm getting used to the food we went and had a great dinner last night and so yeah I, i'm stoked to be here food here is amazing that's that's for damn sure so many good food like different types of food different flavors just all kinds of stuff yeah yeah, you know, this morning we went over to the temple to give offerings to the Buddhists. And then afterwards, we stopped by a roadside cafe that was set up on a rice paddies. And we we're talking to the owner and he was like, yeah, this is all organic here. Uh, and he's got kind of like a little campground set up and had a really cool little restaurant and just all the little nooks and crannies of the area is just so interesting. And the wildlife is, is what I'm really getting into, too seeing the, the snakes and the lizards and the birds and it's really cool because my fiance lives kind of a little bit a little bit more rural uh, northern Bangkok so we're kind of situated in a in a uh, marshland area so I get to see a lot of wildlife and that's really, really interesting. So, uh, so how did you get started with cannabis and breeding back in the day like what made you decide to start crafting your own cultivars uh, how, did, how did your story get started? Okay, so as a small child, my dad had a little grow down below our house, kind of hidden in the brush. I grew up right on the East County border of Mexico and San Diego and small town of Campo. Uh, I, know where, I know where Campo is. I used to hang out with a bunch of Campo kids. I actually lived in Boulevard, which is like three towns over. Uh, yeah, so I lived in Boulevard for a while, so I know all about that part of the country. Yep, that's where I grew up. Um, that That's my neighborhood. And so growing up there, my dad was a hobby grower. But my dad's best friend that lived on the property, he was legit grower. He was like doing some crazy gorilla stuff back then. And in high school, I met some kids and started getting into it. And so when I first started growing, getting seeds was impossible. You had access to Mexican bag seed from the brick wheat that's what you got and so I started growing and I wasn't really into that 
um, type of land, like Mexican sativas just wasn't my thing. And I was starting to see the indicas that were showing up in town. We were getting like beasters, we we're getting NorCal bomb weed coming down. And so a friend of ours started doing some breeding early on. And I was like, oh, okay, if I want seed, I got to make it myself. And so I started just kind of collecting bag seed from all the best weed that we could find in the area. And I started making seed early on, like 90, 90, well, 90, 89, 90. And then 91 was the first years I started making seed. And some of the local people I kind of told and they were like, wow, we'll buy seed from you right now. And I started showing them the weed that I grew and it just kind of picked up right away. And I learned early on back then and before legalization started catching on and, and small aspect that it was safer and easier for me to grow seed than it was to try to grow 50 pounds. Like I could grow 10 plants and make the same money. And so I started devoting myself to making seed early and it just caught on. And I, so every time I grow up, that's what I want to do is make seed and I want to develop things and so um yeah when i started getting in back into the commercial scene in 2010 started branding myself and i wanted to be a breeder and i just kind of started injecting myself into the scene and meeting people and i met a lot of really great people who uh, mentored me early on that were already bigger breeders and once i started showing them my work they started really respecting me and so yeah, I just kind of been around, but I haven't really advertised myself like a lot of these people have. So I'm not as well known, but the wins with several cups over the years have kind of propelled me a little bit. So yeah, I'm the, what do they call? Um, uh, I forget what the name of it is, but like, I'm just kind of underground and, and so people know, like know, know and people that don't. <laughs> Stealth OG, Stealth OG. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I noticed that with a lot of the breeders we've had on the show, a lot of the ones that honestly are, are have are much more respected don't really have a, a big online follow. You, Mr. Green Gene Garden, a couple other people that have been around for a long time since the 70s and 80s or, you know, since the early 90s and, and really been breeding for a very, very long time. You know, you were talking about how you've been making stuff for your daughter for an extremely long time compared to most other people, uh, um, you know, a lot of them just, you know, still stick to that old school attitude of just keep your head down and, and put out good work and don't, you know, don't make too much of it. And uh, it's always nice to, to yeah. hear. Um, what, are, what are some of the different traits that you've been looking for chasing and when it comes to your breeding projects? Um, uh, some of my favorite questions is uh, to ask breeders in particular, highly skilled breeders is, what do you look for in terms of male traits? Uh, versus female traits in your breeding projects okay so i'm usually chasing just really loud flavors loud smells and um for the longest time color i was one of the guys early on shooting for purples um it was kind of a bigger thing for us back in the 90s if you got purple weed it was it was really kind of that oh wow this this, this, is, this is what i'm looking for and really loud bag appeal something when you open the jar it's just the whole room knows it um and when 
and it also transfers over to the flavor. That's kind of what I've always been shooting for. Um, as far as aspects of males, usually just structure, really good smell and aroma. A male will usually give off really good smells if it's gonna produce something down the road. Um, stability and as far as how much can the plant take and how well does it um, produce itself as far as pollen content. Um, also, does it have any color in it? And then also, um, uh, oh, yeah, that's kind of pretty much it. Um, I'll, I'll use different males from time to time just to see what I'm getting out of it. And then I'll go in that certain direction. Uh, anything in particular when you're doing bigger male selections that makes you determine one male over another? Like what, is there any specific traits that you're queuing in on or is uh, it just about L or? A lot of time, a lot of times it's size, structure and timing. So how soon or how late is it pollinating? And depending on which trait of the moms I'm looking for, you know, am I looking for smaller more stout plants? Am I looking for something that's flowering earlier? Because um, a lot of people want, like indoor growers, they kind of want that earlier, bigger production. So how big is that male in comparison to size? Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's a lot of the times what I'm looking for in the males is timing. How fast does it pollinate? So am I looking for something that pollinates later because I'm doing a sativa line or am I doing something that's more indica-based? Um, is it showing any color? How much aroma am I getting off of it? And uh, how, how much pollen is it producing? So I kind of can judge how big it's going to produce plants later on down the road. Is there a difference between pollen production and flower production when it comes to the males? Are you, are you judging the, the pollen production on the actual flower structure versus the other males? Or are you looking it's, at the flower count? Or? Yeah, you can kind of look at a male and if it's got like really big, robust male flowering sections to it where they're they're really robust and there's a ton of pollen being produced off of it, you can kind of later judge the size of what kind of uh, flower you're going to get later on down the road. You can take a really skimpy little male that barely produces anything and you'll see that later on in the flower production when you start pheno hunting because your flowers are not going to be as big of plants at least in my, my at least in my experience um people may have had other experience with other cultivars but with what i've been working with that's kind of my experience is there any other traits that you associate more with the male line or female line uh, in particular when it comes to breeding like uh, have you noticed a, a pattern with um, with certain traits being more on the male side or female side? Um, color, um, what, what colors you're getting. Um, you can kind of tell with the males, if you're getting some heavy, heavy colors out of your males, that's definitely gonna transfer over, as well as aroma. Um, you, I, I can go through uh, like a hundred males and you can find ones that you'll walk by and you can smell them and they have potent smell to them. And they, they'll give off an aroma in the flower when you're collecting it, the pollen. You can smell the differences in it. Um, they'll have more terpenes than others will. So that's, that's always been something I've looked for. Stem rub will also show, you know, 
and then also just the structure of the plant um how 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 much stability does that that may all have and how how does it look is it throwing off good branching um is it not falling all the way up along through it or is it just little puppies at the end so yeah there's a lot of factors to it sometimes it's just a crap shoot man you get a couple males and pick them out and then you go through them and sometimes they produce really good stuff sometimes you're like oh pick the wrong one but pre-testing is also helpful so you can take um and have your your plant your male plants send them in for thc testing they will show a small amount of thc in in the leaf material early on and you can start to judge that i used to have you know a couple hundred males every year tested for potency and you would see higher numbers in others than you would in, in some and that also transfers over but you have to have a good lab that you're going through um, some of these analytical labs are like you see it you'll see people that are like i got a 46 percent thc flower it's like, no you have inflated numbers from a shitty lab is what you have um, we, so we showed a get, we showed a flyer from Oklahoma the other day that had like forty six percent, thirty nine percent, forty four percent, and it was like, come on, dude, come on, come on. <laughs> they're, they're using they're using that little machine that you put like you at home that you put a little bit of flour on and you slide yep, it in sir. and it takes a picture yep. and then it gives you a, it gives you this super inflated number. So yeah, that's where they get those numbers from. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, back in the day, I was working with several labs with SC, Steep Hill, uh, Pure Analytical, um, Green Style Analytical. And so I was getting kind of some consistent numbers back then. And so, yeah, you can pre-test the, the, the males and you'll get, you'll get numbers out of them. And that'll, that'll give you a, an estimate later on down the road of, you know, is that male going to help produce some really high THC content or is it not? Um, and then also terpenes. Now I guess you can get the terpene profiles tested on these males too as well, but I haven't done that. Yeah. So if you're looking for the lowest budget tester, these are really, they're, they're decent. In fact, bubble man just did a, a video on these, but they, um, I forget what was, I think he had a 0.4% margin on, uh, on potency compared to the COAs that they did through Embark. Um, it's one thing that I'm very passionate about, and I'm glad you brought this up. We're actually going to have an in-house HPLC here, and we'll be able to test all of our genetics, you know, in the building. So uh, if you end up needing any of that testing, you know, in-house or, or on, on the DL, uh, we're happy to test that stuff for you here in, in Thailand. But um, there are a few of these different ones. This is kind of the cheaper one that's out there, you know, and it, again, the, the less you pay, the less accurate it's going to be. But, you know, keep that in mind. The biggest thing with the accuracy on the Gemacert is that you don't touch the table. Like any vibration screws up the, the calibration and screws up the, the reading, right? So it has to be like on a piece of concrete or like something that's just not gonna vibrate or move or, or touch at all. And you can't bump the table, anything like that's gonna fuck up the, your reading. Um, the, uh, the other one is there's another one from, I think it's the Lighthouse or Light Labs something like that. And theirs is used by law enforcement and stuff like that, which, hey, uh, like we don't really like them supporting law enforcement, but if they have a, you know, unit under $5,000 that tests terpenes, that's the only unit under $5,000 that tests terpenes, right? So, you know, if you're, if you're on a budget and you're trying to just, you know, pinch pennies and just get the best equipment for what you're trying to quantify, they are the best entry level one out there. 
you know, any kind of accurate and, and with a small margin of error. We've actually been going through this right now with trying to figure out what equipment to order for the lab here. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if we're gonna do any in-house testing like that or not. So that'll definitely come in help and handy. If you don't, man, let me know. We're happy to test your stuff for you. Okay, that'll be great. Not to mention, it's, it's you can still legally mail stuff and all that, so it's not like there's any kind of even legal weirdness out here until they that, that could change. Don't get me wrong, but at least at the moment, it's still all right. Well, fortunately, I'm working for a licensed facility, and um, so I don't have to. Hopefully, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Well, that's one thing all three of us are I, all our licenses here and all that. Well, even like for uh, the facilities, like lots of people, it's if you're not going to be able to ship it with any carriers, that's going to create huge logistics and huge issues for price and shit. Because right now, like any farm can distribute to anywhere. No big deal. If you're a licensed farm, I can sell to the shop in Phuket. No big deal. But uh, if now I can't ship it to Phuket, even if I'm a licensed farm, what the fuck? I'm not going to drive 10 hours to bring you fucking 100 grams. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. That's something else, too, I noticed. So I've been asking a lot of the different dispensaries, how much are you buying when you're doing it? And they're like, oh, we buy like 10 grams to see if it sells. And then if it sells, then we'll buy 100 grams. And if that sells, then we'll buy there's, there's, Yeah, most buying. shops that I deal with, they buy like an ounce to 100 grams. And a few big shops that have like multiple locations, they'll buy like a kilo if it's like fire and on sale and all that shit. You know what I mean? But normally the average shop grab is about 100 grams, like a quarter pound. So it's like not crazy amounts, you know? I've only been into like three shops, four shops so far since I've been here. We went to one down in Huyin, and it was pretty cool. Um, they had, but it was all import. And then we went here to the Sukhumvit area by like Sukhumvit 7. Um, and it was like Mary Jane and two other shops. And it was, it was all import. I haven't seen, I've seen a little bit of local weed. Um, matter of fact, I'm smoking some um, from a hobby grower here locally that gave me some really good weed. Um, a couple days ago so that was really nice so i know there's people growing some good weed here i just haven't gotten out if you go to uh kitty chopaka shop in bangkok highland mm -hmm. and i believe succumb weed carry thai growers exclusively yeah. so so uh, and, we uh, tried to go to succumb weed um but every time mm -hmm. i've been there they've been closed because they don't open until like like noon or one or two or something like that they open pretty oh, late yeah. so um and we've been trying to stay out of the downtown area right now um if i can find a place so i feel yeah. that but i've been i like i said i've had a couple people i've met like i said a couple local hobby growers that have reached out to me and gave me some really good like right now i'm smoking some 100 eyes he calls it 100 eyes um he made it himself and little local got like a little four by eight tent and it's bomb <laughs> so so what are uh what are some of the stuff that you're you're uh, tell us about what you got going on here in thailand and uh, and your new uh your new chapter 
Okay, so yeah, um, my fiance lives here, and so I moved out here to be with her. In the process, I had a group reach out to me and ask me if I wanted to take over the lead position for their new place, and so we came to an agreement, and yeah, I'm just kind of waiting on the build to be done. It's an indoor, like a 30 lighter, and um, they are getting me a, a breeding license, so I can flower for them and it's looking really good so far i'm really comfortable with the group we, we mesh really well and um i'm yeah that's kind of that's what it that's what i'm doing i'm just kind of waiting waiting it out right now uh, monday i'll start being on the on the job site to fully watch the build out all the way through so i make sure it's being done right the way i want it and Sometime in April, hopefully we'll be able to get some stuff on the market and people will be able to check it out. Um, I've got a few of my strains that I brought with me that I'm really thinking that people will be really happy with. And um, yeah, so chili will be one of them. And I got some um, black diamonds that I think will be really well received here for a, a nice indica and uh, going to do some sativa based stuff to keep everybody happy on that side as well yeah. so is it are you doing indoor or outdoor greenhouse what is your uh, production it, it's indoor it's an indoor okay. yeah um so like the indicas don't do don't survive here <laughs> outdoors <laughs> yeah 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 that's why i'm since i'm indoor i've got some leeway to really open up some things that probably aren't on the market here as much um going to be focusing on some indica dominant hybrids i did um i did some work i did some work right before i got here that i'm really excited to get into so i had um some skittles that my buddy crossed into the chili verde and we were calling it chili z and it's super dank and then i did some feminized work off of that with some really popular stuff that's just starting to get around in california right now so like the mule fuel and um some uh, chemistry one and um i did some work with some uh blueberry hash plant to dream and i've got just all these different unique flavors that i really want to get into that are just fire and so I'm really excited to start getting things going, like really, <laughs> like waiting patiently, like a little kid for Christmas. I feel you. When I got here, they had uh, the timer broke on their mom room, so we ended up just flowering it out and didn't realize it because no one gets up in the middle of the night to check on the lights, right? So uh, lesson learned on that one. So they were two weeks into flower before we realized it. <laughs> but when I got here, yeah. this is or before I even arrived. So once I got here, I was like, hey, these, these are in flower. What do you, what's going on? So we had to just flower that out and turning into a flower thing. But it was cool because it got me, you know, I was able to see kind of the different um, Thai strains and how they develop compared to Western strains and timelines and pollination and all that stuff. So it was very, very educational, but we had to very quickly cut some clones to preserve those cuts. So, but hey, you know, this is part you know, of, uh, brought you're dealing with the, you're dealing with a grow crew that isn't as experienced in the industry. Uh, you got to kind of, you know, roll with the punches like that. <laughs>
you know, I brought some work from Colombia. I've got, um, I was gifted some Colombian gold and some Colombian black quite a few years ago. And I've got, I've got that here. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that does in Thailand. I'm sure people have already been growing it here, but that's one of the things I'm excited about doing some outdoor grow when I can get some, a uh, little bit of brown to work with. Nice. And if you ever need to just test run anything, we have a whole separate outdoor plot, but I haven't even showed on the YouTube channel yet that uh, uh, you're always, if you just need to see, hey, does this survive the climate here? You're more than welcome to, to throw anything out there that you want to. Thank you. Um, so now I'm assuming it's, I'm assuming it's similar to the Colombian um, type of um, situation where I've had, I've got a lot of growers in Colombia that have run my stuff and also down in Trinidad. And I've always had really good feedback from them as far as my work doing well down there. So I'm assuming it's gonna do well here. Um, but then again, who knows? Yeah, it's totally different, you know, I'm like it could be, so we'll see how it goes. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, sorry, I had, a, um, I had a reply to one of my workers out here. I, uh, Kind of running the ship here uh, solo, so I apologize for the, the minor distractions here and there. Um, um, uh, what are you working on as far as what was your last um, uh, project that you're working on breeding wise? And then what are you uh, hoping to focus on uh, once you're able to kind of get back on the saddle when it comes to you know crafting? Um, the last breeding project was the fam run that I just got done doing about a month well, about a month before I came here. I did some chili Z um, fems, which is um, Skittles to chili verde. A buddy of mine, Wyatt Turp 710, uh, he actually made that that cross. And then I took it and we did some pheno selections out of it. And then I made a fem run from that. Um, and then I also did some crosses with it with a bunch of the really popular stuff in California at the moment. Um, prior to that, I, did, I was kind of hunting some chili verde um, F7s out and getting into it like some really heavy pineapple turps and grape turps out of that. Um, and then now that I'm here, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of open palette for me to try to figure out what I want to get into. Like I said, I brought quite a bit of my own stock to dig through. And then I've met a few people here that have kind of given me some stuff to maybe possibly dig through. So. Nice. Yeah, definitely talk to Canatai Seeds and the Infamous Gardens there. They can definitely steer you in the right direction when it comes to that. What I have noticed with the stuff that seems to be bug resistant out here is those grape uh, terpenes that smell like grape, grape drink. It's not like a grape. It's a grape drink, like, like that artificial yeah. grape kind of smell. That terpene profile seems yeah. to not get any bugs here. And then the super lemony and stuff seems to kind of ignore, you know, the bugs aren't on those plants. Um, on the outdoor stuff and, and maybe infamous has some other insight into that but those are the two profiles that i've personally witnessed in, in other people's farms here in thailand that that seem to be pretty resistant cool now the chili will be really good then because it's it's got some heavy heavy grape either soda or you can get into like grape swisher or like grape vanilla it's got a wide range um the one i was kind of chasing was heavy pineapple grape like it's when it's in flower, it's just so overpowering pineapple. And then through the cure, you would get a grape overtone through it. Um, that was the 36 is the 36 line that I was working on. Um, a couple of years ago, 
I was working up at um, Mendelbrot's place, um, uh, Emerald Mountain Legacy with his brother. And I was hunting down this chilly 1936. It was a uh, number 19 and the number 36 out of a 100 plant pheno hunt that I was doing with the F5s. And there was the one, the 36 and the 19, they were just so overpowering. Like when you open a jar, the whole room knows it immediately. And you stick the jar in somebody's nose and they're just like, oh my God. Um, but I wasn't, I was, wasn't finding the exact ones that I really wanted. So I kind of had to drop that project. And then, um, yeah, the Chili Z's, Chili Z's my buddy made are fire. It's like burnt rubber Skittles, but just got more kick to it. And the citrus is still right there. But the chili brought in some really great structure to that to that Z cut, you know. That Skittles is always kind of a floppy, finicky bitch. And so my buddy really hit it with that one. And he did a, quite a bit of work that I've been going through. Like he's um, that's really been showing some bitching work. And uh, yeah, and then I've got just a ton of my own work that I'm really getting into. So. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so what is the, do you have anything, um, that maybe you haven't had a chance to pop yet or any different genetics that you're like, man, I'm still searching for these couple of things in my inventory or, you know, what are kind of like your, your more longer term goals or more longer term projects or stuff that you've been kind of like wanting to put together if you're willing to talk about it, but haven't had a chance to kind of source all the right pieces. Uh, you know, honestly, I've got so much work that I've accumulated over the years that I couldn't really, really get into that I'm really excited now that I've got a facility that I can start getting into this stuff and really finding the really good, like the, just the top quality stuff. Because for years I've, I've had to bounce around and I'll pop a bunch of stuff and then I have to move or, um, you know, we have issues with the grow and then I can't really get into it. So yeah, I've got, got a lot of stuff and I've got stuff that people have given me over the years because Joey from the humble local and I, we did those seed sessions, seed swap sessions for so many years. I've got tons and tons of work from Northern California, from all the best growers and all the best breeders that I just haven't had a chance to really dive into. And I've, I've got some, some amazing work that I'm really looking forward to getting into. Um, nice some of the best. I'd love to swap some beans with you. Throwing that out there. Yeah. Hearing about this Chile Verde yeah. the last little while and talking with you. If you want some shit that, you know, I've been made that has some epigenetics of being grown outdoor organic in Thailand that you want to start getting into your line, then uh, we can talk about it after and uh, we can do a little seed swap because... Yeah. I got some stuff that's pretty fun. I'm, I'm looking at trying to maybe form up a, a seed sesh, um, a seed swap gathering like we do so, in NorCal here in the area, but I haven't figured out where to do it and like what the just early March. So sometime in March, I'm going to we're we're basically gonna have like a little tasting session for all the different like seventy or eighty different cultivars that we have right now. And uh, I thought maybe we could do like a, a sesh and seed swap and, and do like a private invite kind of thing in Thailand. So, we, uh, you know, we can happily combine forces on that. 
unless you want to do it before then. Yeah, that, uh, I'm happy to, to host yeah, something no, like in a huge warehouse, the whole front half of the warehouse we can have as a tasting session area. So, I think uh, what's really early April the way to move forward in this 2022, especially with like everyone posted up in the middle of nowhere and we're all farmers and gardeners, it's hard to get away, you know, sometimes. So uh, I think what we could do is probably get like a group together on like a, like make like a Facebook or a line or in, in some sort of group and then like, you know, just set it up so people can swap beans on there. You know what I mean? Put it out. So make a post and uh, you know, not only that, yeah, it's filling a huge need because there's no cultivars in the cannabis industry, not the commercial side that's bred for this climate period. That's why you see Oklahoma have so many problems. Texas have so many problems, like all anywhere in the South. I've been growing in Georgia and in Oklahoma legally. There's completely different insects, the humidity, the mold, all the different environment is totally different. And there aren't people focused on what's a high yielder for this climate that that can produce and be like the the blue dream or the cookies that's just going to produce no matter what and and pay the bills what is that cut and there isn't an answer right now for that and that's one of the things that was so super cool about what kanataya has been doing with the freak show crosses is taking really good cuts finding the phenos that are nicer out of them and preserving those because that reduced leaf surface area does seem to make a big difference in the, the vigor of the plants i noticed that the the one plant that we have here, now that she's caught up in a little bit slow beginning with any of the freak shows, they're going to be, you know, slower to start. But once they get going, they really start to roll downhill much faster than some of their sisters do uh, that aren't showing that leaf expression. That's really been really interesting to see as they mature in, in this I climate. did a bunch of his uh, crosses outdoor, pretty much bare sun and uh, in the rainy season at that. So uh, you can think about it, it's getting rained on. Uh, it ended up going horribly wrong, but uh, his his strains did very, very well. It wasn't through any issue with his. We put it under a greenhouse. The greenhouse fell down. Everything got stuffed in the mud. It wasn't through any cultivars issues why it went wrong, but uh, those freak show crosses really, really shined in the garden. And uh, just especially with bug-wise, it didn't really have many of the bug issues because the terps just explode on it. And um, just the very narrow, the, the leaf morphology for the heat and stuff here does really well. And uh, even the structuring of it, how, uh, how the plant structures up for the mold in these things, uh, it's not super, super, super tight. So it works really well yeah. being like mold resistant, resistant, not immune, <laughs> you know, being yeah. the, you know, the word. That, it's, it's, um, it's nice to see that that plant acclimated to this this condition because of the the home base where that plant was made and was was bred at was at about I think they're up at like three to four thousand feet elevation up in the Yosemite area. Um, the original creator of that and the temperatures there in in that area they range in the hundreds in the summer and. They get cold and wet during the winter with the fog. And so it's, it's nice to see that that California central coast or central, central inland California um, strain does well here because a lot of my genetics are all been bred and produced only within 45 minutes of that area. 
you know, I was down in the valley. They're just right up the hill from me. And so I think that's why a lot of my genetics do well here or do well another, in tropical uh, conditions. Excuse me. Another secret to Kanatai too, and I think his genetics, why they all perform really well in Thailand, is the fact that he has been breeding here so long in pretty much open sun, outdoor, um, pretty minimal setup for environmental control. And so every time he's crossing or making something new, you got those epigenetics, generations of epigenetics stored up in the plant and how it's adapted to survive here. And you can, you know, there's nowhere else you can actually put those epigenetics except for Thailand. And I think that's why the people who's bred here previously, we have the genetics here. It's, a, it's good to utilize those in crosses because it has that that history of being grown here and the epigenetics. I'm big on it. I, I truly believe the epigenetics play a huge role in uh, how it grows and how it turns out. So, Yeah, good, sure. good pheno selections over a, a couple a year, two or three. Once you get into like four years of selections in an area, that's when you can really start to open it up and you can start to find the things that really do well and you can eliminate all the bullshit out of the way. And so, yeah, it, that's that's the key, you know. Well, I know uh, him, him and uh, Ken and I are both on like what year twelve or thirteen, so <laughs> they're, they're quite seasoned. Yeah, some of our seeds have been uh, done here. Uh, allegedly, you know, I used to breed seeds to give them away to try to just get hands holding like something that would grow decent. You know what I mean? And uh, when people were scared to invest money and in the seeds when it was more in the backyard hidden. Uh, we did lots of breeding allegedly to help people. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's cool to so see now. Of guys, speaking of helping people, do you wanna... to the... I was gonna say, are you guys going to Jack Herrera thing? I am, uh, I haven't been invited to that, but if you happen to have info for it, I, I... so here's the deal. I was gonna come down for the hemp conference, but with everyone else on the farm being away for basically taking a holiday, someone has to stay behind and run the farm. But I could run down there for like 24 to 48 hours uh, and, and come do a quick, you know, uh, tornado through, through Bangkok. But what I realized was that almost every person that I was trying to meet in Bangkok is going to be at Thai uh, on the 10th and 11th. So I was like, well, I could just kind of, you know, stay put here and make sure the farm is on auto, you know, running smoothly, because at the end of the day, that's all that matters more than anything else. You know, I gotta, I gotta, gotta make sure the farm is running before, you know, I, I travel. But then after that, uh, uh traveling up to, to, to Thai high, but I might shoot down to Bangkok for a day or two. And if I do, I'll, I'll make sure to let you know. And then also there's a couple other people. I did want to give a quick shout out. Hopefully I can get him on the show next week. There's another gentleman who's been helping us a lot in, in Bangkok. Um, his name is, well, his name is, Mary's Medicinals on Instagram. He's another really good dude in, in Thailand and in Bangkok that's really kind of crushing it in the business side of things and um, really knows what he's doing. So nice. cool, nice. To, uh, cool to have him on. But uh, but yeah, um, so tell us more about your CBD work. You work a lot with CBD and topicals and some of the other um, uh, types of things that are in the, the non-THC market. I would love to hear more about that. It's something I'm very passionate about as well. We yeah. talked about it before the show. Yeah. Um... It, um, sorry, it's getting kind of busy on the street and I'm getting eaten by bugs. <laughs> um, 
CBD topicals. Yeah. So years ago when my daughter was born, she was born with a rare skin condition and we started going to the doctor and they were giving her steroid creams and giving her shots. And I would take my daughter to school and they would like tell me I had to take her home because she looked horrible. And so I, growing up, I lived in a very small community and one of the members of the community were an older hippie couple and they were kind of like the weed dealer of the area and I was up there to buy some weed one day and the lady was like you know I could help you with that with your daughter's skin problems and I was like oh okay uh, and let me know and so she um, made up some sap and she threw some cannabis in it and she sent me home with it she's like put this on your daughter every day and I was like, okay so I went home and I put some on her and we started to see some improvement like almost immediately and I was like okay wow this lady knows what she's talking about so I went back to her and I said hey can you teach me how to do this like I want to know more and this was a really basic this was in like 90 95 uh, my daughter was a year old and so she taught me how to make this basic salve. And it was like, everybody starts out. It was beeswax, coconut oil, eucalyptus, tea tree, malaleuca, and a bunch of weed. And she made, she would make this green ass salve and it worked, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the results that I've had over the years of actually perfecting a, a topical. So as time went on, I started experimenting with making a good cream because the salve wasn't working for my daughter. The skin condition that my daughter had, it, it's, so she's missing a, a tissue layer. So she gets these blisters and these blisters get really big and it looks like she's being burned and you have to lance the blister to stop it from continuing to grow. Because otherwise, like one little blister on her finger would make her whole hand up to her elbow get like these giant like it would just keep seeping under the skin so we'd have to lance it and then she would get infected so the original salves that we were making were too abrasive and too oily so i started working on something that would absorb wouldn't be abrasive and wouldn't be oily or leave a residue on her skin and so i came up with this kind of a cocoa cream and then I was using hash instead of um, straight weed. And it was less abrasive that way, but the hash still, you had to really make sure you would break it down properly so it wouldn't be abrasive. But then later on, I started getting into people would, were making isolates and distillates. And I started getting into that avenue where I could really make it more potent and get it into the topicals a lot better. And yeah, I just kind of created a business from it um, early on. And one of the first few people to really start working with CBD and especially um, California, it was, it was really kind of early. A lot of people didn't know what it was and had to kind of get out there and sell it and promote it. And I kind of started winning competitions and won the Emerald Cup. I took a second and a third one year, like the first CBD topicals year. They, they offered a, a, an award and HempCon and a few others. And 
So I got successful, but then the CBD craze hit. And all of a sudden there went from like 20 of us making this stuff to like 2,000, 3,000 people, big companies. And they started destroying the CBD market and using shitty CBD, not, not the good stuff that we were using, that we were producing ourselves in-house. And so the flood of Chinese and foreign shitty CBD hit and the market got scared off. They started thinking that all CBD was garbage. Don't use it. It's all, it's all it is, gas station trickery. And so I backed off. Um, I didn't have the money to keep like putting it out there. And so I just told people, hey, I got this product. If you know me, cool. If you don't, then if you find out about me, hit me up. And so I don't produce it as much as I used to, but I still have a very large following. Um, my buddy, Matt Riot did a podcast with me a couple months back and really directed a lot more work my way. And um, so it's very popular still. The people that use my product are it's very successful for them. I've had a lot of work with eczema and psoriasis, uh, um, shingles, um, burns. I've worked with a lot of burn victims. Uh, my buddy Seated 808, he was a burn victim and he works with burn groups and he gets it out there to them. And yeah, so we've had a lot of um, positive feedback and a lot of people have helped themselves. A lot of children that I've helped with skin conditions, um, a lot of eczema for kids that kind of helped out where they're not, you know, scratching and burning all the time. So. What are some of the different key factors that you've noticed when it comes to the skin creams that made a big difference? Is there any certain things that you want to talk about or don't want to, if you don't want to talk about it, it's fine. I understand. Um, some of the stuff on how I make it is kind of proprietary. Um, sure. But just getting, just getting really good, high quality ingredients. Um, you know, don't skimp on, on your, your beeswax and don't skimp on your, your, your butters that you're using or your oils. Get the good stuff. Um, and, and then high quality CBD. Um, using the, the best, you know, don't use low quality CBD. You know, a lot of these companies think that CBD is CBD and it's all the same and it's not. Some of this stuff is, is made with hemp that's been used for remediation for toxins and pest, you know, pesticides or, or who knows what. And you don't want to use that stuff. And also the quality of the genetics behind the CBD that you're using or the, or the laboratory that's, ma that's manufacturing the CBD that you're getting. Um, that's also very key um, as far as what I've found. Um, but some of it's still just a hit and miss with people. Some people are receptive to it. Some people are not. Um, so, you know, some, like sometimes I get, people that come to me for certain things and it works for some and sometimes it doesn't that's that's something you have to accept don't think that you're going to cure every single person with your product um it's just like any other any other um i guess disease or issue that you're dealing with something some things work some things don't and don't give up if my product doesn't work for you there's other people who make products that will just gotta experiment 
Well, uh, like I was saying a little bit earlier, uh, I think Thailand's really wet, ready for topicals. That's one thing I, I don't have a lot of experience in. Um, I may learn how to make tinctures just to help people here because it was easy. But always, constantly, not a day goes by, people don't ask me about topicals and things like that. And I, I never knew anyone who's had it. So bringing that to Thailand, I think yeah. it, it's going to be very well received because I think there's a lot of patients who could really get a better quality of life from products like that here in the country. Yeah, you know, back in the States, I had all my equipment and I had all my ingredients and I was readily making it and shipping it out but now that i'm here i i didn't bring any of that with me so i have to start over again so i've just been out the last couple of weeks just looking to see what ingredients are available what's on the market like as far as like what's popular when you go to a, a store that sells topicals or rubs or bombs because almost everybody in this country uses some sort of balm or cream. Um, like it's extremely popular here, way more than in the United States. So I've been kind of looking to see like, what, what should I be making? And then also I just haven't had a chance to source all my, my products yet. Uh, Cause I've been just kind of hanging out uh, waiting to get started. So over the next couple of weeks, I can really start to, to get into that. And then also working with my fiance to help her uh, create a business where we can start getting those products out on the market. Um, at some point, we're looking at possibly getting our own little shop, um, maybe like a, a coffee topicals smoke shop or something. I don't know. But that, that's six months to a year down the road. So, yeah. Um, um, Business-wise? If you're in the... I would say uh, try to focus on uh, something for the massage shops. Just consider how popular the massage is here. And if you can introduce some sort of topical for massage that you can distribute to these places to utilize in the practices, you'll have, you know, a few customers on every street here. And uh, I think that would do very well yeah. as well. So, so back in the States, I make what's called a cinnamon, we call it cinnamon firebomb. And it's based off of traditional Chinese tiger bomb. Uh, but we make it from scratch. We've adjusted the formula a little bit to gear more towards the American taste, where it's not quite as, um, well, not, it doesn't, Americans are, have a hard time with true traditional tiger bomb. So we made our own version, which isn't quite as heavy duty, but still works amazing. But here in Thailand, they have their own type of green balm that everybody loves a little bit more than that traditional red so i've just been like learning like what are the ingredients and how to make it and where to source those things out and also like what kind of skin creams would be popular um so yeah just doing my research right now and and just trying to figure out like there's a lot to it you know where do, where do i get my containers and getting my mixing machines and all that good stuff so soon, soon, soon. <laughs> if you need help with that stuff, I can I can help you with all the sourcing. We we we're building out a edibles lab and and lingual lab right now, so I can help you with all that. If you get stuck, appreciate it. Yeah, wait 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 till you guys see this place when we finish construction. It's going to be 
it's going to be lit for sure. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I may at some point show our construction build, but I'm not sure I'm allowed to yet. So I'll discuss that and I'll get back to you guys. Mosquitoes. So, so what are there? Is there any other tips or tricks that you have, or anything that you want to share for people that are working with CBD or trying to get into the CBD space, or maybe they have a patient like your daughter, and they're like wondering, hey, like, should I try CBD treatment with my kids? Like, what advice do you have for people that are kind of on the fence when it comes to, you know, getting involved in in, in that kind of stuff, be it for their um, patients or as a business? Uh, first and foremost, uh, make sure you're sourcing good products uh, that are ingredients in the CBD that you're going to be using. Do a little bit of research, ask around, and um, then try to figure out what you're shooting for. The CBD market's big. Um, like you're doing edibles, you're doing topicals, you're doing linguals, or you're doing smokables. Like what is it to, to, to what is it that you're doing? And then um, yeah, kind of figure out like what 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 avenue do you want to work with and how far do you want to go with that and then um obviously if you're going to be producing it for the market figure out you know are you able to market those those products do you have enough money to do that and how are you going to do that and who are you going to market those products to because also the cbd market's huge um and then you know Figure out if your product's actually working before you put it on the market. Do some experiments. Make sure that you're getting good results. You know, I spent, God, 20 years making topicals before I put my product on the market. Uh, and I wanted to make sure I had a high-quality, professional product that people would enjoy and not, you know, be disappointed with and that they would get results from. So, you know, give, give a lot of products away and make sure that you're getting feedback from those people before you start selling something. Um, I'm big about making sure that you have high quality product before you dump it uh, on the market because the CBD market has been destroyed in the US and kind of in Europe too over the last five years where there's a ton of products out there that are garbage. And they, they do absolutely nothing. And people have tried those and now they're scared off. So um, if you give something to somebody, they're, they're going to pay attention if it works and they will let you know immediately. And if it works for them, they'll be a lifelong customer. If it doesn't, you'll never hear from them again. Absolutely. I just wanted to also say thanks. We have like 50 viewers right now on Thanksgiving night. So Shout out to everybody supporting the show. Thanks everybody for being here. I hope you all ate fat and happy earlier tonight. Uh, I just, I was really surprised by how many people we have on the show right now. Uh, thanks everybody for coming up. Cool, cool. Yeah, you know, I, um, yesterday was a long day and I didn't get to eat till the very end of the evening. And we went over to the market here across the way and they have an amazing market here locally. And I went around and I was scoping out like Thanksgiving stuff. So I found some roasted corn on the cob and I found some grilled chicken and we got some desserts and um, a few other odds and ends. I found some potatoes or um, like 
like a potato mix and so yeah it was kind of cool but man we were rushing around L lately in the evenings here we've been getting these thunderstorms coming in so right when we got to the market it just started to rain and the market started to like you could tell everybody was in a rush to try to get their last minute things and the vendors were starting to tear everything down so they were like hurry up make your like buy what you want and get the hell out of here so it was like really really cool and then um we watched the lightning and the rain hit us and it was bitching i haven't been enjoying the rain so much I, when I hear the rain, my heart sinks and I think about my garden and all those unsupported plants and I can hear the snapping and the cracking in my soul. So if, if it doesn't rain until the end of January, I'm more than more than happy. And if the gods are watching in those 50 viewers, please leave my garden alone. No more rain. <laughs> Since we're whining about the rain, uh, I went out there this morning and I noticed the first two rows of plants near the edge of the greenhouse were wet and um, the pots were much wetter and I was like, damn it, they got rained on. That's like totally fucking up the, the moisture content. Like I want the whole room to be even, right? Like I want to water them. If they're the same age, I want them to, you know, be within, you know, reasonable difference and strain difference watering wise because I'm trying to keep this consistent for the worker bees because I can tell the difference, but, you know, nobody else here has really grown weed that long to really understand that so you know while i go out there twice a day to make sure every single thing is taken care of uh, and then work with them you know all day as well but even if i have to go away for a while i'm still there minimum two usually five times a day doing a full tour of the farm making sure everything's going smoothly um you know having those plants being overly watered it means that when the irrigation comes on those plants are staying extra wet and I'm going to have root problems with those if I don't address that. So we're going to have to go ahead and pull the, the watering units out of those until they dry out a little bit and then plug them back in because we have a drip system now for, for the main watering. Although we're not running any of our KNF inputs. So if we water with liquid IMO or any KNF inputs or compost teas because it, it can clog the lines and I don't want the microbials inside the lines as much. Um, we're just watering that by hand, which still kind of sucks, but by hand, it, what they mean is two workers have a you know giant reservoir that's pre-mixed and aerated, and they have a hose, and one guy holds it above the other line of plants, and the other guy you know waters the the actual pot. So it's not like it's not like it's difficult. You can so. get this uh, sub-irrigated pump that you like just drop, and you can hook the hose to it, and uh, you just put it in the tank, and then just have your workers walk and pour it oh, out. Oh yeah. So so all the new greenhouses, all the new construction is all going to be sub-irrigated. We're going to do flood and drain tables and, and flood and drain beds and just flood a whole row of wherever long. And it makes it so much easier because we have the pond right there. What we'll do is we'll just balance the pond's micronutrients out to be what plants want. And then we can just top feed through, you know, the soil for, for the NPK and, and deal with it that way. It's not very difficult. Plus, we have all the, the inputs with banana ferments and the, the fish ferments here. We have a ton of organic inputs. We're trying we're going to wean off of the salts we just got to make sure production is in line as well but we'll, we're, we're working on that but we're going to be able to test all that and test the ppm levels of the ferments that we're making it's something that we started with the open nutrient project but now that i'm in thailand and we'll have all the equipment with the lab i can test this stuff a couple times a week and we can hey recommend me a tropical plant ferment you want me to try i'll give you the mpk value 
so that we can start to unlock, you know, hey, dragon fruit's really good or mango's really good. Or if we map this out, you could have, you know, half the world's population making their own ferments and telling all these fertilizer companies like Monsanto and Syngenta to go fuck themselves, right? And it's, that's what I learned in Zimbabwe is that we have to map that shit out, open source it and make it accessible by cell phone and translatable to any language. And if we can do those things, we can free so many farmers from the slavery that is the, the, the fertilizer market. It's something I'm super passionate about and it's why I built that whole project. But it's something that I'm, I'm able to finally work on here, which I'm super stoked on. Because if we can get everyone onto fermented fertilizers, hell yeah. Not to mention it gives these farmers economic freedom. You know, they're not at the, the mercy of some of the governments that are chart, you know, overtaxing a lot of these inputs and things like that as well. It puts well, the power you know, back to the the interesting thing is, is Thailand's still really untapped when it comes to all the salt-based nutrient companies. Um, you know, you don't see grow shops on every corner here like you do in the United States, or at least in California. So the more you get that knowledge out to people, the faster, the more they'll be less inclined to do business with salt companies once they get here or the the grow shop mentality you know you know what i mean because the grow shop mentality is what's kind of destroyed you know the growing culture in california at least for my experience is when you go in like the general consumer who doesn't really grow who's getting into growing and they go to a grow shop the first thing they ask is oh hey i want to grow some weed what do i need and the grow shop goes oh okay <laughs> you're going to buy this multi-nutrient part thing and you're going to need all this and you're going to need that and, and sell them everything they don't need and so then they're stuck in that loop and then they have to learn how to get out of that loop and then learn what's going on so yeah the, the more you can get the culture here to, to learn knf and regen and producing their own in-house inputs and, and soils the better off the country will be, uh, in my opinion. Um, but then again, I'm going to be running a salt-based nutrient <laughs> indoor grow for the first year or so until I can, till we can switch over. So I don't want to. I, I guess I shouldn't be a hypocrite. I guess. But. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the same boat. I mean, we're running salts for all of our micronutrients because I have to guarantee this crop comes in. We got you know we got to pay the bills. Right? So we have man manganese sulfate, we have sodium lebanate, we have you know, z uh, zinc sulfate, we have you know, or zinc nitrate, I forget which one we got. Um, but we have all those different salts that you normally need to build a base thing because I need this first run to work, right? And that's what a lot of people don't understand when it comes into this is that you have to make the financials work if you're, and you can transition into an organic system, but you still got it when you're, especially when you're launching company new market, you got to make sure that you got flour on the shelf and <laughs> you can't just trust that everything's going to go smoothly. You got to guarantee that it's going to go smoothly. I think something that people don't talk about enough when hey, it comes to. Hey, I... I think his phone is ringing. I... Yeah, he's either going to take a call or. Uh... Well, we'll uh, 
come back to him in a moment. Welcome, Wes. Big Daddy Wes. Big up, Potent. Big up, Infamous. Big up, the whole of chat. Uh, big up, HBK. Hope you're living well, man. Uh, hope you come back there. Looks like you're stuck in internet land. Huh? But hey, yeah, man. I uh, hope everybody's well. Uh, man, things are going great in my garden. My garden's looking fucking fabulous right now. Uh, just growing a little bit of a little Mac and Jack and uh, some uh, uh, grandpa stash. I've been really loving that. Uh, I've been, uh, yeah, I've uh, been growing a bunch of that. Uh, yeah, just, just, just living, man. How's everybody doing? Haven't seen you I'm since last night. That, I haven't been smoking on that Mac and crack. So, <laughs> you know, I, I've yet to see the mac and cheese. I'm waiting to see that. It must be out there. Oh, mac um, and cheese was, a, I'm pretty sure uh, Capulator himself did that one. Yeah, so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's out. I don't think it was hot fire or anything, but. You guys should you know, uh, haven't checked it out already. You can check out both of these fun gentlemen over on that smoke show. We have quite a few great episodes. Um, yeah, Peter Steve, uh, Dutch Bones, um, Wes, Canatai um, Seeds, Infamous Gardens, uh, Chad Westport, London from FCP, um, with Hoda Herb. And uh, yeah, a revolving crew of so many amazing people. growers, uh, pot minds, Monkey. pot lovers. <laughs> like Monkey Dude. Kind of swords of the craft. Uh, the koala what's the koala koala something uh, i'm trying to not leave anybody out we have so many great people the, oh there is it's yeah and they yeah no it's, 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 it's the one america i think his the name one is american. Yeah, yeah, american american one american uh, yeah the american one, one that's it then um who else have we had on the show? There's tons of good people. Captain. Oh, Brandon. Brandon. Russ. Brandon Rust. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sure we're forgetting some. I'm, I'm, yeah. And, but Star Studded lineup, no matter what. No, yeah. Everybody that's on there. Absolutely. Oh, uh, Jordan River. Jordan River is another one that comes on there all the time. Uh, Josh from Dutch Blooms. Uh, skipping through and then also a lot sometimes we'll invite people from the the guests in the chats as well so it's always fun you know, you know day recreational rosin is on recreational rosin uh canna uh queen um uh, uh what's the name of queen of the sun grown uh, she's yeah been on. she was cool um uh, trying to think of who else lots of people so you never know who will be on the show. We always have a, we had a, the last couple episodes, we've had quite a few people and uh, we always have really good memes of uh, different uh, speakers and stuff. Bubble Hawk, that's who it was from Australia. Oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So, and then a, a Jack Greenstock, he's been hanging out a lot. So um, yeah, all kinds of good people. A lot of your favorite people. Uh, Matt Powers was on an episode. That was, a, was that was a fun one. That, that episode was like my first episode on that smoke show, and I just felt like a child sitting in a university <laughs> class. Like these guys are just spitting off acronyms and microbes, and I'm just like, I'd buy all of that in a bag. There's big words on it. Bacillus something. 
(laughs) It's one of those times where it's just better to shut up and look like a fool than open your mouth and leave no doubt kind of deal. Like, just let them know what you know about. So, no, 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 thanks, guys. Sorry. Yeah, HBK says he has to take a phone call real quick, but he'll be back joining us in a moment. He just had to do a different stuff. And again, remember, unlike you, uh, you Americans, it is is normal business hours here when we do the show, and uh, I get up extra early on Thursdays and Fridays so that I, a whole two hours earlier so that I can go deal with farm stuff and then take oh, the yeah. two hours before you do the show and then go back to doing work. Um, so. Uh, just so you guys understand how my work schedule changed. The nice thing is it's not at 4 a.m. like it was when I was in Zimbabwe. So. <laughs> I remember some of those feeds. You're just like half awake. Like, uh, you're like, I got maybe I'm going to pre-record these or something. I don't know. Like, this is ridiculous. Like Sunday at noon right after Hash Church finished is what we did for a little while. Because it was the only way that I could like make it work with my schedule because it was like like 5 or 6 a.m. or whatever it was. But, or no, it wasn't 5 or 6 a.m., but it was something much more reasonable. It was like 8 or 9 o'clock. So. At any rate, um, what uh, what is new with your garden there, Wes? Uh, well, uh, let's see. I got uh, I moved my uh, my flower rooms coming along right now. I got some peanut, uh, some peanut butter cookies and uh, uh, that are flowering right now. It's the first time I ever flowered them. I it is such a co- strong cookie structure. I hate it so fucking much. It's going to be such a dick when I trim it. Um, uh, let's see. Um, doesn't and I see nothing peanut butter about it yet, but well, I guess we'll see. Well, we'll see people name things and then they come out nothing like it and i'm disappointed you gotta put the hype name on it it's probably just some generic cookie but that pack had to sell so they threw on peanut butter because it's the hot hot name right now you know what i mean yep yep i hear you i hear you so no bro you just got the bad pheno bro you need to dig harder to get that Mm. peanut butter bro maybe maybe there is another half a pack of seeds there to check so we'll see could be that oh hpk's back here but yeah, no, and uh, yeah, so a bunch of stuff flowering and uh, a bunch of stuff coming up in the bedroom. I just a bunch of clones that I almost left out, got a little bit dry, but just brought them back there. Um, yeah, no, everything's everything's going good. Uh, yeah, looking to clean it up and do a little bit of a little renovating on a couple of things I want to change around in my room, but nothing major. Welcome back, HBK. I don't do that sound yet. Probably no audio yet. <laughs> All right. well, welcome back. Um, so is there uh, uh, any other um, uh, traits? So one of the things I noticed with the CBD uh, cultivars, and I was curious to ask you about, uh, since I know you've grown quite a few, is um, I've noticed that they're much more sensitive to longer veg periods. I've noticed that if you go beyond... You know, 20 or 22 hours, they seem to have a much higher herm percentage, uh, especially if you do 24 hours. I've noticed with the CBD cultivars and CBD lines specifically, seem to have a much higher herm rate under those extremely long veg hour um, uh, lighting settings. 
And I was curious to ask you about that, if you've had a similar experience or if you had a different experience or if you haven't tried that or. Uh, me? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, a lot of the work that Ringo is doing with tsunami lines that were are really popular early on with CBD cultivars like the, the sour stew or the um, canna stew or the harl stew, they were, they were finicky um, and they were hard to kind of deal with. Um, trying to get into a good location where you guys can hear me. Um, a lot of background noise here. They, yeah, they, they tended to be kind of really finicky and a lot of people had problems with those lines originally. And the can of tonic, um, if you stressed it out, it also would go herm. Um, and so over the years, people have kind of worked a lot of the different lines of what are like the CBD lines that are now. Um, and I haven't really heard like if there's any really super stable ones or not. I've kind of gotten away from growing CBD over the last couple of years. So not real sure. Um, yeah, they're like the canatonics were, were uh, nutrient sensitive, a little bit light sensitive, uh, actually a lot light sensitive. And then, um, so yeah, I think it's just, it comes from that, that genetic background that produces CBD or what we would consider hemp lines with less THC. Um, so yeah, I'm not real sure. I know a lot of the, the, the CBD stuff that I was seeing coming out of Europe from like um, CBD crew, Mr. Nice, that was just like really unstable stuff back then too. So like I said, I, I know there's a lot of new people, Oregon, I think it's Oregon hemp or Oregon CBD or whatever it is. I heard those guys have some really good stuff, but a lot of people have gone to the auto lines and I'm not a big auto fan. I, I'm, I don't see the point in growing autos really. So, yeah. They have their place. I, I will step in and defend the, the little auto plants. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm when you, fan, you get far enough north, they're, they're the only thing you can grow. Yeah. The reason I stay away from the autos, the reason I stay away from the autos is because the early autos that we were dealing with were, were horrible. And then I watched the California market grow a ton of autos last year. Or a year before last, and it was they basically sat and rotted because nobody wanted it. Couldn't really do anything with the extract. The flower was useless, and a lot of people spent a lot of money to grow the stuff, and it just it never fulfilled everybody's expectations on what it was as a commercial producer. So I, I just stay away from them. To be honest with you. You nailed it, I though. I think commercially, it's not really the option, yeah. especially where everything's a different phenol. You can't really throw everything in the same bag. Um, yeah. So, but I think for a home yeah. grower, I, I, well, I think space, they've come so far. I think they've come really far along, and I, but I think they still have a long way to go yet before before they reach like uh, a stable form that that is yeah commercialized uh, commercializable. And yeah, and they actually have the potency and the desirable effects we want. But they've 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 made leaps and bounds since the the original lowriders and stuff. But uh, yeah. like yeah, and but they they are plagued with the with the with everybody's memory of that first stuff that came along wasn't very good. I mean it it it, it was 
something. But and it, still, you get phenols where that shines through. I mean, that, it does happen where you like pop an auto and you're just like, what the fuck? There's like no frost <laughs> on this. There's really not a whole lot of smelling shit. There's bad ones out there. <laughs> it looks the exactly like it did back in the... <laughs> and they get like this big and shit. So I know exactly where people come from. But like, like I said, if you've got a home grow... And you've got a mom room or something, and you've got like five months till you got some flower coming. Throw a couple autos in your bedroom, and at least yeah. you got some smoke to help like tie you over. You know what I mean? Uh, you and know, if you're like I, my dad or my grandma, they can put them outside and they can do their thing. They, they're not super big feeders, and if you just want yeah. something you can set and forget, they kind of do their own their own thing. Yeah. You know, there's some guys in Washington State, um, Shango Laos, who does, um, uh, I can't believe I can't remember the name of his podcast, but Shango's been doing Shaping a lot fire. of work. With, yeah, Shaping yeah, Fire, that's Shaping right. Fire. Shango's been posting a lot of auto stuff lately. I guess that's been real big there in his area. There's like quite a few guys that are working on those stuff, and they're, they're, they've been real happy with that stuff, so... Um, I'm just not sure. Like I said, I, I just have stayed away from it. I have no experience really. I, I did some, I tried to get into the auto thing about God, 10 years ago. I was gifted a bunch of ruderalis seeds and I started getting into it, but then I just gave up, <laughs> got away from it. So. so speaking about strains, uh, tell us more about your Chile Verde. And, oh, uh, the Chile Verde. The yeah, so let's so hear your lowdown. Okay, so the Chili Verde, I was working with Ringo, uh, Ringo Lawrence. So a little backstory on Ringo. Ringo Lawrence was a grower in Southern Humboldt. Uh, he's world famous for being like kind of one of the, C the very first CBD guys. And Ringo and I started working together and we decided to get into a lavender project. And I was promoting and posting pictures of the, the lavender that was in central California in mid 2000, like from like 2000 to like 2012, there was a lavender cut that was floating all around up and down central California and Northern California. And I had the cut and I was running it and Ringo reached out to me and he's like, Hey, he goes, I want to make some lavender seeds. He's like, I've got all this Soma lavender stock that I bought. It's all feminized. He's like, we went through it and we found a male and I'm like, okay. He's like, can I send this stuff down to you and have you breed it at your place? So it's not up here on the farm because I'm doing the CBD work right now. We don't want any THC. And I'm like, okay. So I went up, got the cut from him, took him back to my place in SoCal, or Central Cal. And I did some work for him making straight lavender regular stock from that. And then in the process, I did some crosses I hit the, the lavender to key lime pie, Girl Scout cookie, pineapple, um, a pineapple crack from Ringo. Um, I hit it to some green crack or a green ribbon. And then I did some Afghani, two other crosses. And then I took all the seed stock and I sent Ringo half and I, and I sent all him the regular stock because that's what he wanted. And then I kept mine. And this was 2011, like in, in fall of 2011. So 2012, I dropped the, the Chili Verde and a few other crosses at the Emerald Cup when we were vending. 
uh, I had teamed up with Lumpa Seed and uh, Humboldt Seed Organization, HSO. And so we were vending and I was, I sold a few, you know, but that particular like 2012 to 14, the key lime pie uh, was not real well received. A lot of people didn't know how to grow it. Um, and it was just basically like called the bastard, the bastard cut of Girl Scout. Um, Cause it, it was, it was, it's realistically the key lime pie is just green sherb. It's a, it's a pheno of green sherb. But they were saying it was, it was Girl Scout cookie, Girl Scout cookie. And I was like, whatever. And then the lavender was being really played out. It was dying along with blue drink. Nobody wanted to grow it because it was short, stocky little plants. Um, it, the market was kind of getting away from purples and people didn't want the pure indicas anymore. And so when I dropped the, the chili verde and the key lime pie crosses, people were like, oh, dude, fuck that. I don't want to buy that shit. That's fuck that and so i sat on it for about god 10 years oh not quite 10 years and then my buddy from lumpa uh, i i talked to him as if and if um papa and he i showed him this cut that i had because i had like several cuts of it and he was like dude this shit's fire he's like we need we need to work on this we're going to get this out to the market we're going to make a lot of money on this cut he's like we're going to win all kinds of cups and i'm like okay cool let's do it so i gave him a cut and this was during the wonderland seed series um that kevin was putting on and so the first seed series that kevin promoted and did i was one of the breeders that was speaking yeah, i watched that interview with him good. yeah and so that day is when i gave out some cuts and i gave a cut to my buddy and he took it down to redwood valley and got it ready for, to go into production and he was going to enter in the Emerald Cup and um, the Redwood Valley fires came. It was, it was these huge fires that wiped out Redwood Valley and parts of Ukiah and this was like right after the Santa Rosa fires and my buddy's house and the property caught on fire and so he called friends and some people came down and collected clone or collected cuts to salvage stuff and get it away from the fire. And during the process of things being moved around, the cut got out and some other people got a hold of it and they took it kind of as their own. And then another dude got a hold of a cut and he entered it in the Emerald Cup and won. And so it got away from us. And so I was kind of a little butthurt and I decided not to let clones out. I was only going to sell seeds and I wanted to flood the market with chili verde seeds so that the cut, I didn't want it to be an elite only cut that people were making thousands of dollars off of and I wasn't. So I just put seed stock out and that's how I've kind of always kept it. I've only released a few of my own personal clones and that was just recently. Um, but the thing with the chili verde is um, you, you've got to have your A game on with you grow it. Um, it. It'll definitely let you know if you have any problems or if you're not treating it the way it wants to be treated, it can be finicky. Um, but then, like I said, there's people that really have their game on or, or get a really good pheno of it and they just they love it. Um, <laughs> it's more of a flower plant, it's more for terpenes. Not, there are some washers in there you really kind of got to hunt for them but um as far as like a regular flower it, it it's really potent it, it 
I shouldn't say it's potent as far as THC. It usually runs like 19 to 21%, um, but the, the terpene profiles that are in it are really loud. Um, it's really tasty, it's got some amazing colors. So you'll get these purples and greens with these bright red hairs that overpower the purples. And it's, it's really nice, but commercially speaking, it, it can be finicky. Like you have to have the right cut for a commercial line um and really know how to run it so yeah uh, it's been it's been back and forth with like i get people that constantly send me videos where they're just crushing it and they're like this is our favorite strain and then i get some hobby growers sometimes they're like man i had a lot of problems with it i'm like well i don't know what to say <laughs> it is what it is but that's part of being a breeder i guess so how long does it normally take to finish? Is is it quick? Is it something that's uh, like a? No, it's a it's a it's a little bit longer of a run. So you're looking at a good solid nine weeks usually. Um, mm -hmm. Some some of the more sativa sides will go a little bit longer into ten weeks. Um, the cuts that I normally like the, the thirty six or the ones that I breed for, I've been trying to shorten it down. So I've been looking at like eight weeks and they still turn out really good. But I'm also one of the kind of people who I have a philosophy that um, I like to tend to harvest a little bit earlier more, rather than later. Um, I, I've always found that 30 to 40% amber on a little bit earlier harvest with a better cure will... Uh, translate to better terpenes and longer jar and bag appeal and and quality of flower longer. Um, you know, back in the day, we used to run the shit out of plants until they were almost dead. And you know, you, the longer you run them, the little bit faster the flower will break down and lose its terp. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm I like to smoke fresh flower. Um, after two months being in a jar or being in a bag, I'm I'll kind of just gravitate away from it. I like fresh, um, you know, first month or so right off the cure after it's been, you know, burped and properly cured for like a week in a jar. That's, that's when I like to smoke weed. Um, you know, I have people and friends in NorCal, they're like, it has to go till the very end. And then you have to put it in a jar for six months until it's cured. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good on that. So that's just my personal preference. But yeah, the chili is a little bit like nine weeks. And the you did another one to the rhino. Oh yeah, the, the, the rhino fire. I did that. That was just kind of a really quick little like side job that I did really fast. Um, a buddy of mine had given me some white rhino and um, he had crossed it with SSV, and then I took it and then went back into SSV, and then um, kind of tooled around with it a little bit. But that's one of the ones that I never really got into. That's one of the ones that I really would like to get into and really see what's in there. So. And is there some sort of secret project you got coming? Is there another big hitter in the works that we can all anticipate and wait for? Um, you know, the, the fams that I just did, the Chili Z lines, that Chili Z is, is I really like smoking it. Um, it, it, like I said, it's like burnt rubber OG Skittles, 
but then I took it a couple different directions. So I got a, a bomb cut of mule fuel that was a thug from Thug Pug originally. And it's just so stanky OG, just like cammy, really cammy. And then um, just the straight, um, uh, like uh, we did a, a chemistry one that was really good. Uh, apple tarts, um, LA Kush cake. So if you're looking at it for like size, and then I also, I did some Bubba Kush work. So I've got some Bubba Kush from way back in the day that I got into. And then I got a, a blueberry hash plant blue dream cross that I was working on. That's just one of the stickiest, nastiest, chunkiest little fucking plants that are really blue. Just get that super blue to them, you know, but they're not overpowering like blue dream. And I kind of got away from some of the, the, the issues that with the hash plant has with TM. So it was, those are just some of the things that I've been like, I really want to get into that I think they're really going to trans, like, transfer over to with the indoor around here because that's what I'm working on. So I don't, I don't have access to outdoor um, growing over here. So being able to focus on just indoor, I can kind of work anywhere. Like I can work any line that I want because I have climate control. So Uh, you'll definitely be able to grow a lot of those uh, indica cultivars that we can uh, not grow at all in the greenhouses. Yeah. yeah. You know, I did a bunch of work with some master kush a few years, well, God, quite a few years back. So my diamond lines, I had a master kush triple OG that came originally from Dice Grow over at HSO. And that master kush triple OG was um, like... 2014 high times overall best like hybrid cultivar for the year for all their awards which doesn't really mean a lot but it was it was bomb and I took that and I got some regular stock seeds from them and I I worked that line into a bunch of different stuff and I've got like a black line reserve um I, that I had gotten I had gotten some black line reserve seeds um from a buddy that got it from Jackson and I went through and hunted out the bomb. It was a chem D, like it was a chem special reserve phenol. It was very little black lime in it, but still had that limey overtone. And I hit that master fish triple OG to that, which is my black diamond. And that one is just such an easy grower and it just produces such bomb indica bomb, like got lime, but it's OG, but it's got this like Afghani hash smell to it. And then the Diamond Master, which is Diamond OG, Master Fish Triple OG. That's probably my favorite plant to smoke. And it's like one of the easiest plants to grow. It, you don't need to trellis it. It produces great frosty, frosty nugs, um, almost similar to like a Girl Scout cookie, but more rounded and way frostier with like some purple overtones to it. <clears throat> and like and a, a pound of Diamond Master looks like a quarter pound. So it doesn't take up a lot of weight. It's easy to like, super easy to trim. And then um, I brought some stuff from my buddy Matt Riot that I want to get into. And then I've got some stuff from NorCal, just from different various growers that have produced some really good stuff. And so yeah, like stop me if I just keep rambling on. <laughs> no, we're happy to hear about your your different uh, work and all the different uh, stuff you're dropping for us.
Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I think that uh, the Skittles crosses will probably be some of the stuff I get into right off the bat with the, the Master Tiff Triple OG crosses. And then obviously I've got a, a ton of Chili Verde work that I've worked over the years that I kind of want to get into. Um, I did some F5s to like a, a wedding crasher. And then I did do uh, like a Sweeties and a Josh, OG, Josh D. And I've got some Josh D crossers too. Like I did Sweeties to Josh D. I was running that before I left Southern Humble earlier this year. And I was getting some really good results. Uh, everybody really liked the flower on that. We were getting really good returns on the, on the rosin with it. And then I did some peanut butter work too that I'm gonna get back into. So I had a really good cut of peanut butter breast from my buddy, uh, Wyatt Chirp 710. And that peanut butter was just such a, like, I really liked growing it. It produced the kind of flower that I like to smoke. So I did a, a diamond peanut butter and I did like a chili butter and um, a couple of like a Josh D butter, a few others. Those, I'm gonna get into those right away too. Kind of now that I'm thinking about it. So you have the pancake uh, peanut butter. Yeah, I did that pancakes butter. Um, and then I did a bunch of great pie work recently that I haven't. I, that, that was something I did just recently. I did some uh, regular of uh, some great pie work. Um, I like peanut butter and grapes and like uh, an OG and some grape pie and a rosé. I did a rosé butter. That rosé butter, so when I was at Mandelbrot's place, I got to kind of pheno hunt and select through all the rosés that Ben had. And I picked the best rosé out there. It was just so chirpy and just such a stout plant. And I, I hit that with a peanut butter mac cake. So a buddy of mine did uh, with peanut butter breast to uh, wedding cake mac. And then I hit that to the rosé. And that one's been really phenomenal. Uh, I'm gonna get into that really soon too. And then, um, yeah, so got a lot of work that I wanna get into, but I just have to kind of figure out, I'm only gonna be able to work so much because I am in a smaller facility. So I won't be popping hundreds of strains. I'll probably just do like 20 to start with. And then hopefully by March, we'll be able to let some clone stock out. So. Hey, what's up, Kanatai Seeds? Thanks for joining us. What's up, bro? How's it going? Hey, you're more than welcome. Did you have any questions for uh, Eric from HBK? Oh, I just want to say what's up, man. I just, I hey. just, uh, just got, just got done putting my bike back together. I'm gonna try and shoot over here soon. I think. Oh, I had a soda somewhere. I don't know what I did with it. Cool, man. Good morning, bro. How are you doing? Good, bro. Getting ready. I think I'm getting ready to head over to get some potent here soon. Right. Shit. Yeah. We're just kind of chilling today. It's my last day in Possum County. I'm going to be heading down to the city um, later next on tomorrow. So, yeah, it all starts for me tomorrow. So. 
Uh, it'll be it'll be fun. I know uh, once I get my uh, I should have in another two or three weeks I'll have my uh, long term work permits and stuff in hand, and then I can I figured I'll open a bank account and then I'll get I, I was look, already looking at different places nearby, so I can get a couple of nice places for you know two nice. or two and a half thousand bottom month, so it's not that, like thirty five dollars just for a US people. <laughs> I'm looking at like I'm looking at like twenty to twenty five thousand baht a month right now. Yeah, but you're in Bangkok, so it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm trying to find a dog-friendly place, too. So that's really upping the price. And so, yeah, I want to import my dogs in the next month. because My friends are watching them in the States right now. So we're trying to figure that out, too. If anybody has any suggestions about how, they, how or if they brought their dogs over, I'm looking at hiring a service. Yeah, so that's how you do it. That's the, how you do it. It's a pain in the ass. It's a little bit expensive, but you pay one of those services and then your dog will be like well cared for. And there's like a human with them the whole time and not just like shipped in a crate in a box and in the mail. Like yeah. it's a much better way to go about it than trying to do it through the airlines. Because if you do it through the airlines, you have to crate them. And then I have two wolf dogs. So like that's like seven, $800 in crates. So uh, just to get the crates for that. So it's a pain in the ass. Whereas otherwise, you know, having them on a leash and having someone that they can. It cost it cost me the same bring my Rottweiler over. She was uh, 95 pounds. She was a small Rottie. Uh, but it was the same price as a, as a ticket for a person. That same, if I, if I remember right. Oh, wow. But, but I paid, I paid this guy, I paid this guy to do everything, like to do everything, uh, basically to get her in the crate and deal with the people at the airport so i didn't have to deal with none of that shit the paperwork and all that he did it all and then uh yeah and then i just saw her on on the when i got to bangkok they had her in this one area where you go your, your animals it makes okay. they have to be microchipped if you're bringing them into the country yeah you gotta microchip them you gotta get the shots you know, like cargo and Parvo and gravy and you know the, they'll tell you. You, you yeah, say you're bringing yeah. dogs to Thailand, they'll tell you exactly what you gotta hook them up with. Yeah. And then when you bring I, them back, that's when it's a pain in the ass. So if you ever go back to the states, there's like a quarantine thing. Yeah, don't do. I mean, I, that's the thing. You bring your dog here, don't. I wouldn't bring him back because you're not gonna see your dog for like six months. Oh really? Yeah, dude. Oh. Well, no. I don't know about California. It might be maybe two months or something, but I know like Hawaii is up to six months to a year in Hawaii because there's sticklers there. My my homeboy sent his sent his German Shepherd from California to Hawaii. Did her name was Rosie. They didn't see her for like eight months before they got their dog out. They can go and visit the housing. Yeah, and so you like, got to pay for uh, it. Yeah, you got to pay for the food, everything. No. I know Oklahoma was um, 30 days. If memory serves 30 days, yeah. So Cali's probably the same. Maybe not that bad. No. I mean, you're from Cali. Are you from no, Cali, bro? Well, I've, I've lived in Cali for over five years, so I know. Well, no, I mean, HBK, uh, because uh, I hear him talking about Santa Rosa fires. I, mean, I was born and raised in Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa is my hometown. I know everybody's backyard doghouse. I know everything in that town. <laughs> I've ran from real shame. Popo and every fucking part of that town. <laughs> it was a real shame when they had a big fire there a couple of years ago. Dude, they burned down coffee. Park. No, it's fires. 
fires, multiple. They burnt, you know, up by where I lived in Placerville, uh, Grizzly Flat, the whole entire fucking town is gone. Everything, post office, everything gone, the whole town. Then they burned uh, Santa Rosa Coffee Park, which, you know, I, you know, all my buddies went to Pioneer High School and shit like that in Santa Rosa. So everybody that like went to Pioneer High School, like that whole entire neighborhood burned. Everything, Kmart, I mean, everything, the whole fucking all of it gone. It's crazy. I could not believe that. When I saw that, dude, shattered me. Sorry, I lost con- I lost connection there for about 30, well, 45 seconds or so. My, I'm having all kinds of phone issues right now, so I'm just getting back involved. No worries. He was just yeah, asking man. if you were, uh, what part of Cali you were from. He's from uh, Santa Rosa. Um, okay, so originally SoCal, but for the last 20 years, I've lived in Fresno, just south of Fresno. And then every year I spend six to nine months in either Mendocino or Southern Humboldt for the, like the oh. last, since like 2012, I go up there every year to run a grow or, or do my own thing. Right on. Sweet, man. Yeah. That's, I'm from, I'm from Sebastopol, Santa Rosa, basically. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I worked in, God, I've worked in, Comchi, I've worked in Redwood Valley, I've worked in Ukiah, I've worked all up and down Southern Humboldt, like Garberville. I lived in uh, Palo Verde a couple times, up on Bell Springs, working oh, right on Joey. Um, yeah, You've been, been all over. Too. You've been all over NorCal, basically, all over NorCal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right yep. on. Um, but yeah, I'm based. I basically was based out of uh, Central California, about 30 minutes southwest of Fresno uh, since 90, 97, 96, 97, I moved there. Right and, on. Um, just could never, it was just too easy to live there. And for years, I could operate like with total anonymity. Like I could do all kinds of work and nobody would even suspect that we're growing, like doing big grows or whatever. Um, there was such a big competition level in Southern Humboldt or Humboldt or Mendo um, as a breeder or as a grower that, you know, being in SoCal, I could just kind of do what I wanted. Anywhere north, of the gate. anywhere north of the gate, off the, off the 101, off the 80, off anywhere, it's all comp. When you get north of the gate, it's just like everyone is weed smart, you know, educated. Yeah, yeah. There was like, constantly having to deal with law enforcement up there or people rippers or just dealing with the competition of just other law enforcement bro law enforcement yeah. kills it you got too much law enforcement uh it's yeah. county is a joke it's probably one of the worst i mean it's it's stupid yeah. really they but got way too many it's way different now in the last two years since regulations have hit um law enforcement's fire okay camp is now fired back up camp is huge now camp has more money and more resources and more funding than camp has ever had in its history so there are there's helicopters flying everywhere right now up and down the state so any county that gets say they want to do cannabis retail sales or growing all that revenue automatically goes for regulation so all the law enforcement fired back up. They're busting grows every single day. They're looking for all the black market people. They're harassing the fuck out of all the licensed people that are under 10,000 square feet 
or even like 20,000 square feet, like in Southern Humboldt, they're constantly getting like armed inspections coming in and just creating all kinds of problems. And so it's like it was back in the 90s in California again, where if you're black market grower, you got to watch your ass again. Um, if there's no more, like they've shut so many people down, like on a daily basis there, it's not like it was. And so, um, yeah, a lot of people are either suffering because they're not making any money because the price of pounds are down to a couple hundred bucks or hundred less than a hundred bucks. Um, so nobody's making money. And then all the vertically integrated big companies um, are just crushing everybody and crushing each other. So you have these guys that are, you know, they've got anywhere from 20 to 100 acres under cultivation right now. They've got 10 dispensaries, their own delivery service. And then what they're doing is they're going to the to other dispensaries and, and purchasing shelf space but then not putting anything on the shelf or not letting anybody else put anything else on the shelf. And so they're literally trying to like drive everybody out of business. And it's just, yeah, yeah I heard the cops. I, and I heard the cops. If you, if your weed is not in California, if your weed is not inside a dispensary legit bag, they'll, they'll take your fucking weed. Yeah. So they, they look for tags and they're looking to make sure that it's all going to the proper channels. But the thing is, is, all the proper channels, like all the distros, all the clubs, all the vertically integrated people, all the farms, everything's still being moved black market. And but then they'll sit back and then they'll like call the cops on you because you're a black market grower. But then they're still selling fucking pounds that are going to New York, you know. And it's like, well, the thing is, is everybody still knows and it'll never die. The black market's going to stay strong because all the best weed is on the black market. It's always the best mm -hmm. weed is on the black market. It never goes to the fucking clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Just that's the logistics of, of, from it going from the garden to a dispensary, you're looking at four to nine months. And like HBK said, by that time, he's not even interested in anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's why the black market kills it because number one, prices. And number two, they can deliver you a better product without the logistics. Way the better, way, way better. Like I said, all the fire stays on the street, man. Like all the top notch. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, I mean, most of the fire fire is already free. It's already sold before it's cut. I mean, that on the market. So, but like I said, I mean, all well, the, the the weird thing is, is right now the only people making money realistically on the black market in California are either people moving high quality or producing high high quality extracts or uh, extremely high quality indoor. Right now, even yeah, exactly. I'm gonna say out. They're they're out of state, man. They make a ton out of state still. You know? yeah. Well, even in-state, that it, the prices are coming back up in-state for those two products. Um, like, even the highest quality outdoor or the highest quality greenhouse is still not really moving or not moving at a high enough price to really make it worth your while unless you're doing acreage. Um, I see a ton of friends right now that are like 10,000 to 20,000 square feet. And if they're not vertically integrated, they're just like struggling like just not making money right now. And so that's, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And every time a new state comes online or 
every time some big grow opens up, you know, and right now big grows in California are considered like 50 to a hundred acres. You know, that, yeah, that's man, I heard this, my buddy, my or this dude I was talking to actually said that he, he, he has buddies that have L's that are just beautiful outdoor L's, uh, you know, cured, trim good, everything, 200 bucks. Yep. Yep. I'm like, what? Yep. I'm like, you need yep. to put that in the mailbox and send that shit here. Yeah. The thing, well, there's kind of this 50 50, <laughs> well, it's back and forth. So there's, there's a lot of weeds. There's, there is weed for cheap right now, but the, the law enforcement camp and all the local enforcement agencies that are starting to hit all these small growers or all these black market growers are starting to make a dent. They are starting to really make a curb in the amount that's available. So the people who do have high quality um, are starting to get better prices. But, the, but there's so much mid quality or low quality on the market still that a lot of people aren't seeing that crest yet of getting higher prices. So yeah, they're know, not going to pay it because they can get they can get uh, whatever D you know mids where you're home, but still better than mids. They can get good bud for like five hundred pounds. Wait yeah. till this cold season is done in Thailand, and you'll see a wave of mids and low grade bud like you've never seen before, dude. <laughs> it's going to be so cheap here come January. You know what I mean? February, I reckon it'd be 50 to 100 baht a gram for mids. At the end of the day, Oklahoma is really what yeah, crashed. The I agree. US. Oklahoma crashed the U.S. market by over $1,000 in the black market. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's I, simply because Oklahoma had absolutely no plant counts. You want to plant 400 acres? Have at it. And, and at the end of the day, like, while it certainly hurt a lot of breeders and farmers, why should there be a regulation on the size of your farm when it comes to that? You know, I think you should have different permits, maybe different tax rates for the bigger people. But uh, I think that that's fair. But at the end of the day, like, it's interesting to kind of see how it's been, been treated and how much it's changed and then how much diversity you were, we're seeing in the, in the production. Because now it's like, okay, well, now you have to grow those weirder terps because you have to stand out in the market. And it's kind of pushing people away from the standard, you know, uh, vanilla and chocolate and strawberry type of stuff. Yeah, and it's a marketing game now too. The more money you have and the better marketing you can get, the more bullshit you can get away with in, in, in the States anyways. So you see a lot of people that are like dumping millions of dollars into marketing but only hundreds of thousands of dollars into the grow and they're, they're getting away with producing mids and getting it on the market. And the general consumer doesn't understand the difference. You know, they don't follow all of us and they don't follow what's going on. They just walk into a shop and, and they see something they recognize from a, an ad or on TV and they're like, yep, I'll take that. And that's, that's like the, the US Walmart mentality, you know, so unfortunately. Whatever song they're rapping about today, I'll take it. Hey, Poet. Yeah. Hey, Poet. Yeah. Hey, man, you want to try, you want to try, uh, you want any like West Coast stuff or you just want mainly mutants and heirlooms? I'll pop whatever, man. We, we're doing both. So we're, we're going to dedicate about half the breeding for Thai stuff and half the breeding for Western stuff that we can adapt here. 
um, because at the end of the day, you got to have that stuff that's going to pump numbers, but you also got to preserve the, the Thai stuff because people are going to want the Thai stuff. That's, that's preserved. See, look, I got like, this is like all the duck hybrids. This is all the freak hybrids in here. Uh, I mean, do you want me to just, just bring whatever? I'm happy to run huh? whatever you then you can come pick whatever cuts you want from the stuff that's popped. Okay. All right. Yeah. But just like we were talking about before. Can I can I ask where that where you sourced your duck from? What's that? Uh, I was asking, can I ask um, how did you originally source your duck? Uh, the first duck I got uh, from buddies on uh, Thai buddies that they're running the I got purple duck, uh whatever, and I got duck this normal duck, I guess Frisian duck, and then the, uh -huh. I got purple. So I got two, I got a few different ducks, and then I've got a, a whole shitload of hybrid ducks. Okay. I was wondering and, where they might I I've been selling duck seeds and duck hybrids for like God, 10 years. I did a bunch of all duck right. work. Like back in like 2014, um, my friends from Hawaii, they've been holding duck for about 30 years. And then also um, they had sent some over and then I did like some cherry duck and I did some purple OG duck and I did some like orange creamsicle duck and some cherry duck. And then about, God, I think five years ago, I started releasing the straight duck. Um, and we've been working that line for quite a few years. I gave some cuts out when I was at Mendelbrot's place. They weren't supposed to go out. Ben gave them out. But yeah, that there was a duck cut that floated around Mendo like three years ago, four years ago, uh, where it sourced out for me. But I've got bags and bags of different phenos that I'd hunted through. So I have like some really heavy jack phenos. I got some skunk phenos from the original family from Puna. And then... Um, I've got some really oddity ones that are more way citrus. So if you want to get into them, I'll, I'll kick you some. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I've got I got a lot of high uh, mutant hybrids, really. I mean, you know, I got Freak Show Duck. I got ABC Duck. Oh, no, excuse me. I got ABC Freak. Uh, ABC Freak, and I got Freak Duck. Uh, man, I, I got, I, I don't know, too much, man. Like this, I got LA, I got... Uh, LA Confidential Freak Show, Girl Scout Cookie Freak Show, Science Syrup Freak Show, uh, Free K's number four. Uh, this is a Freak Show hybrid. I don't know what the fuck it came off of. Uh, another Freak Show Haze, uh, Freak Show Goo, uh, Sour Cream OG Freak uh, number four, and uh, which has a star on it, which that, I don't know, stars always mean something when I put that. And then another sour cream emoji freak. And then I've got like, I probably got like 50 freak crosses, hybrids. I mean, so uh, many. I had, um, I've always stayed away from the freak because the guy who made it was just right up the street from me. And I didn't really want to step on his toes or like try to keep away from running stuff that are like breeders that are really close in the area. Um, so yeah. I kind of just, I, I met him a couple of times at my buddy's house there in, in uh, Oakhurst and I'd seen it. And then when Humboldt Seed Company bought it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not going to run it. So I've never really actually run it. I smoked it a couple of times. The terpene profile on it for me is um, 
like I'm, I'm not really into that sweet sativa kind of blendy stuff um but yeah it's re really beautiful plant I, I really like seeing it the fern that fern look is amazing and i heard it's really um like really easy to grow it's not it's not real finicky or anything it's pretty sturdy so it's great outdoor um, man it's it's really really good outdoor now does it um you, you are are the leaf patterns uh transferring over really well or do you get like a lot of mutant looking leaves in the crosses it's or pretty stable it's pretty stable man i'm on an f11 so okay i know with the duck lines i worked the ducks for like a couple years and getting a really good leaf transfer over with the duck was really hard it's a, it's a recessive trait so you hardly like you don't really get good duck like transfer overs with the, the leaf pattern or at least in my experience i don't know about yours but um, they always had a lot of oddities and, or they just wouldn't transfer over. You just get a normal leaf pattern. Well, yeah, that's a lot of his, uh, freak show crosses that uh, the leaf pattern comes out a little bit like different, but not like freak mm -hmm. show again, more of yeah. this, like, a, something yeah, I'll tell you one thing here, this thing, man, when, you cross, when you cross freak show into a broad leaf cultivar, you get very little mm -hmm. mutation. But when you take Freak Show and you cross it into a thin leaf, like an heirloom over here, a tie, oh, man, it cuts the shit out of the leaf because there's nothing to cut. When you got this big-ass leaf, what is Freak Show going to do with this big-ass panel? It's going to edge the, the edges. You're going to get different saw blades. That's, that's about it. And you might get it elongated a little bit. But when you take it and you put it on a haze, you know, from states, even if it's a thin leaf from the states, but over here, when you hit them on the heirloom, oh my God, dude, you come out with like feathers, like feathers. Like, uh, have you seen a, um, a Berry Freak F2 on Instagram? Have you seen Berry Freak F2? I know, I haven't. I haven't. Look that no. up, dude. Hashtag okay. that and look at that strain, bro. That's what got me started on the mutants, was that guy. Whoever made Berry uh, Freak uh, F2, hats off to uh, those guys because I think it looks better than Freak Show. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah, and nice. really big, big leaves. It's like they got a broad leaf to cut out. I don't know how he did mm. it. F2. I guess the F2 did. It came out of the F2 somewhere. Um, now, a, a couple of years ago, I did a bunch of work with um, Packy Citral. Um, CSI had given me some land race Packy packs. I met him at um, at Tim Blake's place, the area 101 for a seed swap, like, God, five, six years ago. And he gave me some Packy. And I was going through those packies and the, I was getting double and triple serrations like on top of each other. Yeah. And we, I did get those to transfer over into some of the work that I did. So I have a, a blackberry lemonade, which is lemon Larry OG to the pack, uh, to, to a packy, excuse me, excuse me, not the blackberry lemonade. I've got a, a lemon Larry, lemon Larry to straight packy that I never let out. That one, I was getting like double, triple, and even quadruple serrations uh, on top of each other. So you'd have a, a serration. Yeah, and then you'd have, 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 uh, have whips or whips on it. It would have serrations on the serration. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, it would have like yeah. three on each one. It was wild. And so that's how Ray, Race Freak came out. Race Freak, when I crossed the freak, the freak show with the, this banana pineapple heirloom that smell like banana and pineapples uh 
it got that. It got double and and some triple whips. I, I got I got photos of it, man, because I was like, man, you know, telling my buddy up here that was running it for me, thirty clicks up here. I was like, man, do you see? Do you see the? You know, do you see that in the leaf? You know, and he he only you know he's still new to it, but I was shitting bricks because I was like, man, look at that. You know, it was totally beautiful. Nice. Well, guys, I'm having some phone issues. My phone keeps telling me it's overheating, and then it just shuts off. And then my other phone ran out of business or out of battery. So I'm going to have to call it good for the day and let this thing cool off before it like actually dies, dies and like doesn't come back on. So um, happy Thanksgiving. Good show today. And I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, for man. Oh, and by the way, and by the way, my website, HBK Topicals, is currently shut down because I'm not in the States. Um, if you reach out to me and you need some creams, hit me up. I've got a guy in the United States that I left a bunch of CBD creams and bombs with. Uh, he can take care of you. Uh, and then in maybe a month or two, I'll be able to get some creams out here. But the website is currently, it's there, but it's not taking orders. And so I just want to let everybody know that. All right, guys. Thank you much. Peace out. Happy Thanksgiving and enjoy the rest of your day and your weekend. Top con All right. Right on. Top, top. All right, bro. Peace. Word out. Really great to have him on and uh, certainly someone that we wanted to have on for quite a while. And then now that he's in Thailand, it's uh, – a little easier to coordinate and then when i was trying to figure out who to have on for uh for thanksgiving uh I kind of realized it needed to be a thai person because it's black friday here and uh you know that's a little less uh less conflictual so uh, i hope everyone is having a good uh, holiday uh, yes i the yesterday you was it yesterday yeah last night actually uh, uh well it was morning in the Pennsylvania and my dinner and breakfast with my dad. So at Thanksgiving with my pops uh, on Zoom. So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. You want to show us your garden there? Looks like you're in the in their plan. No, not really, but uh I'm just stripping <laughs> away some of the inner dead leaf stuff. But I guess I can come out and show. But what I'm doing isn't really Beautiful or entertaining. Shit. There we go. Necessary, yeah. though. Necessary. Necessary. Often delayed. It's stone away. What can I say? That's like 12 foot. We're snowballing. Yeah. Uh, starting to smell really good every time I like go out somewhere and come back home you can literally smell the house as you get closer to it it's uh it's getting pretty nice yeah wait till the 30 days from now yeah it's uh yeah but just trying to stay on top of everything like I said before the rain has been kind of fucking shit up big time but what i'm really excited about are these seeds i just made during that smoke show if you guys remember that pollination i did 
So these things are coming in crazy. Look at that. Look at that. Fat. Load, load. Hell. Loaded, loaded with nothing but seeds. It's actually, I don't think I've ever seen a plant so wildly pollinated as this. Yeah, that bubble gum fucking, that bubble gum you guys had in the back of three males got pretty fucking knocked. And show that can you do a close up and just kind of show like what it is you're talking about for people that don't understand? Um, you can see, see all those they're all swell, they're all and it's loaded. The whole I and mean, that's 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 knocked. I love to see it. Yeah, and like <laughs> right down the stem too, like starting here. And my pollination method was extremely effective. Yeah, that's what happens when you sit there and smack the mail over top of the plant. <laughs> all on the inside. Like, I don't think there's one part of the flower. Oh, God, it smells great. It hasn't been hit. See the frost and everything's coming in? So they're going to be beautiful. And these zombies, this one wasn't hit as hard. But, man, these things are frosty as fuck. You can see it. The, the seeds almost look white covered in frost. Yeah, I'm gonna want an eighth off every plant. Three point five. Yeah, so I want three point five can see off every plant. The nugs are getting pretty pretty big. We are just down the road. And it's funny because like every second house is growing. So I got to stay on top of everyone's garden to make sure no males pop out. And I got some purple tie too. It's supposed to be, I don't know if it's Katie though. That's the thing. You want to peep it? Potent? Yeah. Oh, get yeah. me out of blast here. It's some purple, purple tie. I, I saw the, I, I extracted the seeds out of, I actually got a little piece of the flower in there, but it's very little seeds, but uh, it's like black, but it's, didn't look like it was, it's probably a hybrid. I don't know, but it didn't look like too hybrid-ish. It's pretty pathetic structure, but it's black and it smelled pretty good. But production, man, the production of these land races is just, I mean, geez, man, you get a toilet flush. I'm excited about these chilies a lot more than anything. Um, Hell yeah. I love exotic chilies. I'm not a very good chili grower. I normally just dump the leftover nutrients from the flowers onto the chili. And sometimes they work good, like with this scorpion, but this uh, reaper, it's a little bit much. You can see it's got some, some weird shit going on with it. But goddamn, I can't wait. I, I'm going to have a party, too, a harvest party. So you guys can all come down and trim with me. Mm. Take home all the shake you can trim. I'm it's pretty painful. sure I'm not allowed to do that. but <laughs> Dude, it's just, I can't believe how big these plants have gotten. So I never ever thought. They look healthy, man. It's been a struggle in the five-gallon pots. That's the funniest thing about it. 
Now Why don't you just plant in the ground? Well, they are in the ground. They've rooted uh, into the ground. Well, yeah, I know. I agree. After, after, <laughs> some, after some work getting there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I would have, but like, I would have to, t- yeah, it would have been a bit of a, yeah, the, I was supposed to flower these way earlier, but people kept ordering clones and ordering clones. And then now it's like, okay, whatever. I finally like pulled the button. Because imagine I was still taking cuts now. Like, it'd be ridiculous. But there's going to be so much flour here. I can't wait. I'm going to go to potents and just squish the shit out of like entire trees there you go and the thing is about it too they're all like banging flavors that i like that i had for mom stock so it's all super fire like that's the crazy thing about it when you know clean down the walkway, but I need to get like support. Some of these plants, like if you look, this is wild. Hmm. Once I get some weight on it, that's just, that's not gonna sustain like that. It's probably one of the tallest plants I personally ever grew at my house. This thing is huge. Got some big ones, tall ones. Well, you can definitely see the importance of like shaping your moms. Don't just hack them up like I did. For the most part, it's uh, in the paint for it way down the line. Look, uh, really, really, really nice. Uh, it's interesting with the three fingers. Uh, what, what's that cultivar? That's the Avatars times Cementus times Wilson from Masonic. I made the infamous is the male of this on Dosi Do. Nice. Yeah. Coming in super frosty. <laughs> Smells great. Only issue was I did have one of the plants go herm. So I'm not sure how that's going to contribute to the genetics and the seeds. Yeah, and here's what I was talking about. I need to get some like rocks or some weights. Look, this thing is literally off the ground. Tipping. Uh-huh. Man, I love cannabis so much though. Especially when it comes to like flowering. Like deep inside, if I didn't get to smoke any of this, 
and all I got to do was look at it like flour and get big and chunky and smell it, I'd still be happy with that. If there was no smoking in the end. The world's dankest flower, bro. Fuck. Caterpillar motherfuckers. What uh what type of caterpillars do you have out here? Do you have the I know you have the hornworms because I've seen them, the tomato hornworms. Oh man, everything. I've seen all sorts of shapes and colors. I seen monarch butterflies the other day. Hey, did you Mine get did that? Bring this to you, uh, Potent. Did you get the uh, FOD, FOD times OG? I don't know if you got this. No. That's 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 the, the pet Atlanta up there where M was working, and no. And recreational rosin. He was up there too. We gotta recreational rosin. I am. I. Am. I'm not going to count these things. I just want to fill tubes. So like I said, dude, I don't have no labels or nothing for this because nobody gets this shit. And in my garden, this plant is well older than everything else. It's actually amazing that it's still alive in this pot because I've trimmed this literally for months. It's probably like almost a year old. You want me to bring more freaky bastards and see if you get any more phenos out of that, or? I would, yeah. I mean, I would love to if you're offering. Okay, I'll bring a, I'll bring, I'll bring like a hundred of them, all right? I mean, cause I got this is what I got. This is all I have off the freaky bastards. These, I mean, don't they're give, off. Don't give me all huh? you have. Don't give me all you have. Like, make sure you save some. Say again. So don't give me at all. Just save, you know, save some. You know, well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I want you to, I want you to try and see what I saw. You know, I want you to get that weird shit because it's in there. I mean, you know, so the more you do, the better chances. You know, I don't know. I want to, I, I want to give you I'll, some I'll, of the, this Hindu OG too. The Hindu OG is throwing a lot of duck feet kind of vibes and some really bizarre leaf structure. Uh, I think you'll like for the mutants. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to, let me see here. Dude, I got my kid this, like, watch. This is a cell phone, pretty much. And uh, I've been getting the weirdest SMSs, like, texts from her, like, I've ever seen in my life, dude. It's hilarious, but God love her, dude. She's, uh, she's funny. But that's a cool watch, bro. I tell you, if you're a parent... And your kid's like nine or whatever, ten. Like, don't get him a phone. Get him these watches, bro. Because you can, like, watch your kid and shit. You can literally, like, turn it on now and, like, listen to, like, what's going on around her. Turn the camera on. Uh, there's two cameras, too. Like, one on the face of the watch and one on, like, the arm. So I can literally, like, points up at her if she's, like, walking and shit. Yeah, weird messages. Weird messages. I'm getting like, send a photo of the dog taking a seat. Just like, what? 
And I just got had best lunch going to swimming. Amazing fitness. I'm just like, <laughs> just funny. I think it's funny too watching people type in Thai uh, to English. Uh, how all of a sudden between like one concept to a completely well, other concept with the addition of one letter. What? Oh, uh, it's just every channel I have to take back. Okay. Non-Thai. Non-Thai. Yeah, I can know. I can go. I can take me. So we, uh, we definitely want to have his wife on some time for an episode and uh, have her talk to us. I can take time. me. Okay. Whenever May's ready to go, I, I don't have to go today. Sorry about that. Um, going to mute tie there for a second, or can I tie for a second? Um, but uh, 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 we'd love to have his wife on sometime and talk to us about all the knowledge and plant uh, uh, tea knowledge that she has. And I want to try and get Lex to come over and uh, meet meet the uh, I think the lady there. That's the, uh, huh? Yeah, I'd like to get I'd like to go over and chop it up with her. <laughs> be kind of cool, you know? Okay, F-O-D-O-G. Freaky bastard. You know, I tell you, I don't know, but I, I have a feeling that the, the Fino's going to come out of these little fucking seeds that are just those small seeds. I mean, Thai seeds are pretty small. But the freaky bastard actually has these seeds in there. They're the smallest seeds I've ever seen in my fucking life. And but they're finished. They're fully done, but they're the size of a fucking ballpoint pin almost. They're fucking small. So, but they crack. I've already, I like, I crack like 20 of those dink dinks. They all crack with normal seeds. They don't look like there's anything in them. But with the, the start, is probably the smallest thing I've ever seen. It's like a pepper start. I've so, seen some. It always is interesting to me how much variation there is with the seeds and cannabis. Yeah, I trip off. I just completely tweak out on these small seeds. Too. Like, what the fuck? It's so small. So I'm gonna watch. I'll get. I'll get them out right now, and, and uh, put like one of those up to one of those Thai seeds. I'm saying from that Wat from the Buddha Temple. Those things are like fucking. Put that. Put an ABC dinky up to that thing and be like a joke. It is. It's funny. All right. Well, um, I think we'll start to wind down the show. I have to uh, get off of here soon and start wrangling uh, the farm a little bit more. Uh, We're a little bit shorter staff than normal with this week. The, the conference down in Bangkok, and the holiday, and everything. <laughs> I got more hats. I've got a. Klein showing up here at like 12, 1 o'clock for like a Buriram farm tour. So I'm going to be like going to three farms today. So if I can check that. So you got that up on your Instagram or YouTube or anything? You know, well, I, I got the a customer who's buying. Uh, that I do consulting for that's also coming to get the clones. So he's actually never been to another cannabis farm. So I was like, okay, come down to Bury Ram and I'll take a day showing what some other farms are doing. So uh, I've got three friends of mine, plus my old farm. 
we're going to go visit and give them a tour and let them see what what other people are doing. And plus, I want to see what these farms are doing because all of them are running my gear too. So it'll be exciting to see what's going on. Nice. We'll have to get you out here one of these days. I will. Once that like smoke tasting session, I said, that's the handcuffs to get me out there. You know, come smoke all your cultivars in one sitting with me and your homies. Uh, it's a hard thing to say no to, even on the, the most difficult of situations to escape. It'll be dope because my birthday is in March and it'll, we'll, we'll, everything will be dried and cured by that. I figure we'll have everything clone, start cloning up everything here in this at the beginning of next week. And then we'll, uh, we'll you know, rooting time and then put everything immediately into flour. So. March should be the time everything nice and cured enough to smoke at least. Might not be completely finished, but it'll be enough to, to get a good idea. Um, thanks everybody in chat uh, that's been supporting us today. It's been I'm shocked at how many people we've had on, on this episode. We've had 50 to 60 people in the episode. So shout out to everyone supporting the show. Check us out, audio format, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and both this show and Dat Smoke Show. Uh, this whole panel is also on Dat Smoke Show as well, so be sure to check that out. Yeah, man. Uh, how do people find you there, um, uh, Kanate? Uh, you find us over uh, Instagram, Kanate underscore Juke, J-U-K-E, and also um, uh, uh, YouTube. Channel we got now, uh, Canatai Seeds as well. And uh, there's a new app. What's that app called? Infamous. What's the new app? Social new Club. App? Social oh. Club. I'm on that stuff too now. Same no. thing. Canatai Seeds. Uh, where you at, Wes? Yo, uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram. Uh, yeah, big up everybody. Uh, yeah, hope everyone has a great weekend and. Uh, come on over and check out that smoke show uh, we're available on all uh, major podcast platforms now and uh, yeah looking forward to hearing from you and seeing you over there and, and if you haven't checked out that smoke show uh, we have a huge I mean, a laundry list of different people there. You know, all these different other cannabis shows and a different vibe show the show we try to more on one one guest and and hyper focus on certain topics. That show kind of all over the place, different grow topics. So, uh, infamous. How do people find out about you and your work, your stuff? I know you just launched a Discord as well. Yeah, yeah. So we've just launched a new Discord. I don't really know where the direction is going, but you got to plant the seed to expect a harvest. So. We kick that off. So if you want to come and join the community of like talking shit, memes, grow talk, grow whatever, check that out. Um, find us on Instagram and the link for that Discord on the Instagram, uh, infamous gardens underscore V 2.0. Uh, we got a new Instagram, so make sure you go and follow that. Follow the YouTube, infamous gardens. And uh, again, over on the if what is it the FBI's most watched social network social club at uh, Infamous Gardens as well so. <laughs>
Um, and then uh, you can find me on uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, all the things on Potent Ponics. We're also on WeedTube and a whole bunch of other shit. Um, try to get it up on as many platforms as we can. So uh, check it out there. We will be back again next week. I have uh, another title. I'm hoping to get on the show. We'll probably have one for next week after. Uh, and then the week after that, I got to see, we may or not be, may or may not be traveling up to, uh, to Thai High. So we might have to skip an episode or, or do one a day or early or late uh, for that. So um, that'll be the 10th and 11th. While you're at the show. Duh. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely do some content there as well. So we might, might not be the usual time for, for that week. I just want to give everybody a heads up because it is a, uh, almost eight hours away from us and we have to drive there. So we're going to have to leave it there too early. So. Alrighty guys. Uh, thanks everybody for watching. We'll catch you guys again uh, next week. And I uh, hope you guys have a, a 